0: It's the only podcast on the internet that wants to celebrate Ghostbusters Day in style with a pizza, a new movie trailer, and a hot tub full of positively charged magnetic slime. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, a.k.a. Bank Maniac from the internet, and I'm stoked to bring you episode 37 in a row. This week, we're talking with Matt Provencal, who classic Ghostbusters podcast fans may remember as one of the hosts of the OG Cross the Streams radio show, a Ghostbusters podcast that broke ground in a time when podcast platforms didn't even really exist, and probably nobody conceptualized theming a kid into Ghostbusters movie podcast. Matt is a videographer, an editor, and a director, and joins the show to discuss Ghostbusters collecting, Canadian cultural impact and voices in the Ghostbusters fandom tales of his old radio show and their interviews with Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson, his forthcoming Ghostbusters Afterlife VHS remastering project, and if you know Matt, then you know we also had to talk about Alf, because Matt is a massive Alf fan and collector, Then, um, who I actually began to know him pers- like personally through that before I kind of knew him as a Ghostbusters person. But Matt and I had a fun chat one-on-one after years of getting to know each other in forums, and I'm excited to share that conversation with you this week. Uh, it was a really fun chat, and I'm really excited to be able to bring that to you. But before we get into that, and before we get into headlines, I want to give you an update that I'm going to call a little bit of a state of the show announcement. As you might have gleaned from social media this week or from the release day of the episode, Extraplasm is going to move to Tuesday releases as an experiment, probably at least for the summer, and then we'll see what happens. To some folks, I know this will be a little bit of annoying because part of bringing a podcast into your life. Is kind of like a matter of routine. I know that's true for me. And for others, having that full run of content that arrives in your podcatcher on Mondays uh, and that everything you're subscribed to is right in front of you and is nice and predictable and is there for you is a nice thing. Uh, but I-, I know for me, those are things that I like and I expect. And that for many podcasts I listen to, I'm like, yes, I have you on Monday and that's awesome. Um, and when I don't see an episode at the time I think I'm going to, it's something that's like missing from my week. And that is something that has propelled me to try not to miss episodes of Extra Plasm, even when it means putting out a mini-sode or something along those lines. But my hope is to get the show and all of us into a better routine of releases. I think Extra Plasm has been pretty consistent for a first-year podcast run by a guy with a real job who seeks out guests and commentators each week as opposed to has the same uh, co host and who's doing it all by himself. And that's not to be like complaining or be like sad or anything as much as these are the challenges that go on with running Extra Plasm. But I think that there's definitely been some growing pains and some stress in meeting Monday deadlines when episodes are being recorded over the weekend with less than 48 hours to record headlines and then turn the episode around in editing. And to be real, uh, during the school year when I'm teaching, I am often teaching online classes where a lot of the student work ends on the weekend. So I have a lot of email, a lot of interaction that has to happen until late into the evenings on uh, Sunday nights. So this is why often. Extra plasms are getting put together at like three or four in the morning on the Pacific coast for you to have them by noon on the East coast. And why many of you who listen to the show in the UK are amazed to have a podcast drop in the middle of a day because here it's the middle of the night. Uh, So for the sake of quality and my schedule and sanity, we're going to try this out on Thursday or rather Tuesdays for the summer. Uh, But there's also this other matter of the return of the cross rip. Now, to be clear, before anybody would suggest otherwise or think there's some sort of weird Ghostbuster podcast beef, there isn't. Um, The cross rip has been really gracious as they return to regular podcasting and content production, and they've been incredibly kind to Extraplasm from its start. And as a little bit of a teaser to sort of illustrate that there's no real issue here, Troy and I are working on setting up some collaboration for a future episode right now. So this isn't like the old guard came back and said, give us back our Mondays, jackass. Uh, But I see some value in spreading out the number of Ghostbusters podcasts that exist in the same sense that wrestling shows don't all come out on the same day of the week. And arguably the period in history where WCW and WWE did that Ultimately led to less wrestling content, the end of beloved things, careers of like wrestlers, like retiring, et cetera, et cetera. And that's way too much deep dive on wrestling for a Ghostbusters podcast. But, you know, there is that isn't to say there's any sort of brand competition at work here either. But I think that with the variety of voices and content producers out there, it makes some sense to diversify where things drop and land in your week. So we're going to shift things by one day, which hopefully will be okay with everybody listening. It seems to have worked in the weeks where something has gone wrong and the podcast came out a day late anyway on Tuesdays. And so, you know, that's part of this. I'm recognizing that there have been multiple episodes that have had to come out on Tuesdays anyway. So it makes a little bit of a sense, a little bit of sense for us to try to, uh, you know, reconfigure here, see if there's a way to make the podcast sustainable and manageable from week to week in a way that's predictable without the running into the other problems that I know we've hit in the first, say, you know, I guess nine, ten months. So that's a big state of the podcast announcement. I hope that that is helpful to folks to understand why your episode's coming out on Tuesday. I hope you'll come along for the rest of the journey, uh, even though it won't happen on Monday mornings. But the content here is not really going to change. If anything, I wanted to deepen and grow and get better. There's new people coming on the podcast. There's new uh, new guests who've not been on the show before who are going to be coming in and there's a lot going on as we track into a new Ghostbusters movie. I want to make sure that we put the time in or I put the time in a w- in a way that gives you a quality podcast each week as opposed to something I'm slapping together for you at three in the morning in my total exhaustion. So um, if anybody has questions, feedback about that, anything, of course, you know where you can hit me extraplasm on Twitter, extraplasm on Instagram or Podcast at gmail.com. But I hope you'll stick around and come with us on the journey, even though there'll be a slight move to the schedule. So with the state of the show stuff out of the way and the intro sort of wrapped up here, let's get into some Ghostbusters headlines.
1: Still making headlines all across the country. The Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. Fun in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. The
0: extra plasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at ya. It's Ghostbusters week. Or at least that's what it seems like because we've got Ghostbusters happening on Thursday the 8th, and we're all eagerly awaiting to see what Sony and GhostCore have in store for us. Personally, I'm hoping for a title reveal, potentially a teaser trailer, and maybe an update on animated content that's coming down the pike, but that might be asking a bit much. However, finding out more details about the next Ghostbusters movie seems somewhat inevitable, especially given some of the things that have happened in the last week. So to start things off, let's talk a bit about... Ghostbusters Firehouse, or maybe by the time I have the next podcast with you, we'll be calling it something else. Maybe we'll know what it's called, but for now, it's still Ghostbusters Firehouse. Before we do that, I want to say that I'm not going to talk about spoilers here. Uh, I want to make clear that I'm going to talk about some things that have taken place in the broad over the last week, because if you listen to this podcast, there's a really good chance you saw some highly shared images in social media over the last week or saw some articles already, in which case you might have details about, you know, spoilers that you don't need to have me tell you again. (laughs) But for folks who aren't looking for spoilers, this coverage should let you know what's been going on without telling you anything in detail, so you'll be more aware, if anything, of what not to look at. (laughs) But so, no spoilers here, to be clear. Um, This is the power of podcasting, people. I can tell you and not show you, rather than live by the television and filmmaking axiom of show and don't tell. Um, The looking and showing part is up to you to make the choice as you choose your own ghost-busting adventure as a fan. So, let's talk first about probably the biggest news. Um, Last week, I said that the big news of the week was Bill freaking Murray. This week, the news of the week is very much Dan freaking Aykroyd. It seemed like Dan Aykroyd just took over London over the last week. First, he showed up on the Chris Moyle Show, which you can find on Spotify if you want to listen to the entire episode. But in an interview with Moyles, Ackroyd commented that that we're handing the torch to a new generation. It's someone younger now that has to put on that 50-pound pack and go out there and expose themselves to radiation. Which, I don't think he meant to say that the way that comes out, but I digress. (laughs) We have a terrific new cast. McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard and Logan Kim. The idea now is that they're going to be the ones that take over. Now Paul Rudd is also in it and Carrie Coon. I love the new cast, and it's going to be their responsibility now to keep it going and keep New York clean of pesky ghosts. And then he further added that we should expect the film to arrive either end of the year or spring. Not sure, you know, it'll depend upon music and mixing and all the things that have to be done. I'm excited about it because I see what we're getting, and there's some wonderful sequences in great comedy, good scares in great comedy. I won't give you any more Dan Aykroyd, (laughs) bad Dan Aykroyd impression today, but um, on the one hand, this tells us a lot about what we already knew to expect. Ghostbusters in NYC, run by a new generation. Um, So that's something I think we all knew was coming. What of course is interesting here is that coming off of CinemaCon a few weeks ago, there was a sense that the film was still on track for a December release. I said this, I said, I can't imagine they would go to CinemaCon and say, expect it in December to a bunch of theater owners and exhibitors and say, later on, we're going to change it. <laughs> but I think folks in the fandom, my yours truly included, have still had some doubts about that. And the issues with the writer's strike and the potential for a sag after strike certainly could have impacts on other release dates and timelines, and we've seen that happen already with some films. So, you know, there could potentially be issues with this film as well. Who knows? But it seems like there's potential talk amongst the folks making this movie that it could slide to spring if Dan Aykroyd is getting on a podcast or a radio show and talking about how it'll be here either in December or potentially in the spring of next year. And personally, I I could live with that. There's something about the lore of a 40th anniversary taking place as a new movie comes out that really excites me, and I think like really ignites the hype fire about the movie even more. Um, and so if that happens i'm not going to be you know personally challenged by that Um, i think that it's something that would be potentially good uh for us to have a 40th anniversary movie release um so then over the next few days dan Aykroyd did some of the first public signing events for crystal head vodka that he's done since before the pandemic in london uh so he was a lot of that stopped there were no crystal head signing events because you know the here you are, you have pandemic going on and these are actors who are getting older. So a lot of them are making fewer personal appearances. And certainly you you weren't watching Dan Aykroyd go and make big personal appearances uh, in the midst of a pandemic. But now that he's in London and you know, I, I don't know if he's still working on filming or if they've wrapped, but he's got the time. So he had a big show stopping event to some extent where there was a small liquor store uh, that Ghostbusters news reported on that had about a six feet of space between the door and the counter where Dan was signing. And that meant that there was a huge line of people like just going down the street <laughs> for this signing, including tons of Ghostbusters fans with proton packs and flight suits. So upon arrival, Dan went out to the crowd and led all of the Ghostbusters fans in flight suits and proton packs to the front of the line. Um, (laughs) outside, it seems like it was a carnival as there were three period specific Cadillac interpretations of the Ecto-1 parked outside as movie replicas. And then even Paul Feig showed up and signed autographs, like almost bewildered to see the outpouring of Ghostbusters people in the middle of London. So if you haven't seen the photos of this, definitely check out Ghostbusters news for their coverage of it because it was something that looks like it was a real blast. And also be sure you take a look at the content that Tony Beersford, aka at Proton Building, and at Northeast Ghostbusters posted to Instagram because they all have some great footage and photos of this event. If you were there, um, it sounds like you had a great time and that you had one of the rare opportunities to engage one of these signings because I mean, I think that people in the U S got used to Dan Aykroyd going around and signing liquor bottles and places and greeting Ghostbusters fans, but that's the thing that doesn't happen in, you know, in the UK as often. So Um, For those of you who were there, I'm glad you got the the opportunity and uh, hope it was a lot of fun. And if anybody else has any updates or any stories they want to tell about that or share, feel free to reach out. And then, because he still wasn't done outdoing Bill Murray from last week, Dan Aykroyd made an appearance on BBC One's Saturday Kitchen, a cooking show, where, as a random fun fact, he did the entire show while wearing an In-N-Out Burger kitchen crew hat from the In-N-Out Burger chain here in California and in other places, now that it's spreading more throughout the country. Uh, and he did so in appreciation of food service workers and to pay tribute to hardworking people because he is Dan Aykroyd and he is awesome. Um, but he was asked about the next Ghostbusters movie, and he commented that we got the Cadillac in there, Ecto-1, and we got the firehouse. We actually built an entire replica of the firehouse on stage inside. They built the corner of Varric and North Northmore inside, and they did it beautifully. Production design is spectacular on this show. Again, I'm just so grateful to work with these people. They're making the vision of the director and producer come to life. And it's just fun to be able to play that character again and be in that world. Uh, He went on to explain a little bit about what James Acaster will be doing in this film, which I'm going to leave out here for those of you don't want to know plot details yet. If this is something you do want to know, Ghostbusters News has a breakdown of Dan's comments available, and you can go and check them and they will tell you exactly what he said about James Acaster's role in the movie. And if you're in the UK or if you're just a really savvy VPN user who knows how to, you know, use a VPN to have a connection in another country, um, (laughs) BBC One has the entire show available on iPlayer. Uh, And so you can actually watch the entire episode if you want to check it out. It's kind of fun to take a look at Dan Aykroyd on a cooking show, Um, especially I started thinking about his old sketches as Julia Child as I saw him act out, (laughs) you know, sort of as Dan Aykroyd on a cooking show. So definitely something fun to take a look at and it was a looked like it was a fun program to be a part of now the other big thing that happened relating to filming this week is not Dan Aykroyd related it is related to the Ecto-1 again we're not going to get into particulars here because frankly there are some outlets that have chosen to share things that are like footage of stunt actors at work uh, and other details and scenes that are definitely spoilers but to be real, if the Ecto 1 drives down a major New York City street in broad daylight over a weekend, it is inevitable that it will be captured by people on social media. And likewise inevitable that people will share that content. Um, so yeah, the Ecto 1 was definitely seen driving around New York City this past weekend, cameras at the ready, uh, you know, and, and equipment mounted for different filming and whatnot. Again, we're not going to get into details of what was seen, what was the you know, what is up with the car, what isn't because I don't want to spoil that for anybody who has managed to get this far through the weekend without seeing this and having it spoiled on them in some way. Uh, So we'll back off from that. But I will say this is my my commentary here. Um, I have said in the past that in this new movie, it's time to potentially blow up the Ecto like the Enterprise and then give us a new one because it's just getting too damn old. And having seen the photos that I have seen, I'm going to back away from those earlier comments and say that we should not blow up Ecto and we should cherish it. (laughs) So um, if you need to know more about what the Ecto one looks like in the upcoming movie, you should go to Ghostbusters News or I mean, literally just go to social media. You probably find someone who's sharing it. And many of those people, maybe people even who said that they had no intention of sharing spoilers, but now are, which is not me putting down anybody as much as I sort of laughed a few months ago when we discussed on this show, um, people didn't want to talk about the Ecto-1 being on the back of a trailer being taken to a potential location for maybe renovations when we saw a Recto turn up on Reddit uh, on the back of a trailer. And no one wanted to talk about that because it wasn't clear if that was official or if it would have been spoilers. And some of the same people who didn't want to talk about that are now talking about this and sort of sharing the footage and the stuff. And I'm kind of surprised by that, but I leave it up to you to decide what to do with it. Um, I leave you no judgment. If you want spoilers, we live in a spoiler full world. If you don't want spoilers, there are ways to avoid them. And my goal here is to tell you what not to look at if you don't want to see it. So, um, okay. So I think that covers all of the Ghostbusters firehouse news. And like I said, maybe by the next time we do this, we won't be calling it that we'll be calling it by some other name that it's actually called. Um, but we'll see the first thing to know though, about Ghostbusters day, which is coming up is that hook and ladder eights Ghostbusters day celebration continues to grow and change uh, in positive ways. The Buffalo Ghostbusters, as you know, are hosting a massive Ghostbusters day celebration at hook and ladder eight in New York city, uh, with lots of different ways that are benefiting the firehouse and its firefighters to help them get a family transit van. What's been announced in the last week is that the three cars that were going to be added from the fans to that event have been chosen. There was a contest where people had to vote about which three replica or uh Ecto-1 inspired vehicles would be invited to be at that event because not everybody obviously can show up with their car and park it right outside of an active firehouse. So uh, it turns out that the winners of that are Ghostbusters Lost Spirits Division Brooksville Ghostbusters R&D of Florida and the Long Island Ghostbusters Strong Island represent uh, those vehicles will be joining the movie replicas Ecto-1NJ and Ecto-NYC for a total of five count them five Ectos available for photos and fun interaction this is of course in addition to everything we've talked about happening at that event when Dan Lieberg was on a few weeks ago including appearances by the Alessi brothers Aldo Ray Estes Joe Cirillo who played don't call me call a pencil neck cop. That's what I like to call him. I'm like, what's the name? I forgot, um, but there's a wedding taking place at this event. And now there's two more things we haven't even talked about. Uh, TCU toys has donated a glow in the dark set of prototypes of their Ghostbusters figures to be raffled off via Buffalo ghostbusters.betterworld.org, which is where you can also find the Joe magic items that are up for auction. We talked about last week. And th- those are awesome figures that I've talked about in the past. Um, the glow in the dark set looks really cool and I wish I had them, but I don't. <laughs> so maybe I'll bid on them or try to raffle them rather because they're not up for auction. It's a raffle. Uh, but secondly, Kurt Fuller, who you may better know as Jack Hardemeier from Ghostbusters two has provided the Buffalo Ghostbusters with autographed eight by tens, uh, that will be available on hand at the event. There's a limited number of these. I believe they're going to be sold for $40 a piece. And again, all of that money is going towards the firehouse. Nobody's like pocketing that and like, Hey, the Buffalo ghostbusters is going out for awesome pasta dinner. Uh, no, it's, it's all going to benefit for the firehouse, uh, and FDNY. So, um, if there's any of those left over, they've advertised that they will be trying to make them available via social media, but I'll be honest, like given that there's a limited number of them and given that you don't see Kurt Fuller out every day for autographs, uh, that those are things that are probably going to go. So if you're going to that event, that's something to know about. If you're not going to the event now, you need a reason to go that none of the other stuff was good enough for you before. Come on. Um, (laughs) you could totally go now and get Kurt Fuller's autograph and complete your collection of Ghostbusters two autographs, uh, that you probably, again, you probably don't have a Jack Hardemeyer autograph. I don't, but maybe you do. Maybe you're cooler than me. Um, For those of you attending this event, it's going to be a total blast, it sounds like. Like the Alessi brothers are playing live, which is crazy. If you have photos, videos, anything else you want to share with the podcast from that event, feel free to tag Extraplasm or use hashtag Extraplasm as the day goes on to help share the day with listeners of the podcast. Uh, my intention is to sort of follow along via social media and see what we can help to elevate and share with folks out there listening to get a view of this. But I'm sure you can also find lots of things that are going to be on Buffalo Ghostbusters. Uh, you know, Instagram, et cetera, throughout the day as well. Okay, so I think that kind of catches us up on uh, the filming. It catches us up a bit on Ghostbusters fan stuff for for Ghostbusters Day. Let's talk a bit about merch and collectibles news for a few minutes. Um, Prop Store has unveiled their catalog for their next auction taking place at the end of June. There are nearly 1500 items up for grabs in the auction. and About 65 of them are Ghostbusters things. Uh, but the, the entire auction ranges across like tons of films with stuff from Aliens, like the 1989 Batman movie, Predator. I mean, like, honestly, you could probably name a movie. and It probably has a prop in the auction if the movie was released in the last like 30 years. So there are definitely Ghostbusters items in that catalog, uh, like 65 of them, as I said, including things like the puppet arms from Dana Barrett's chair, which is nuts. Like, I, you, they're, hilariously, each of them is a different item in the auction. So if you want to rebuild the chair, you're going to spend a lot of money. on individual lots, but, uh, there's so much there. There's an unfinished stay puffed head, the terror dog head that they sculpted and then hacked its eye out to put inside of the stone terror dog that, you know, kind of like rattles apart and when goes and then shows up in Dana Barrett's house, uh, that, that they built an entire head for that, an entire bust just like the others, but then they hacked its eye out. You can own both the head with the hole in it and the eye <laughs> that they used, um, which is crazy to me that they both of those things are options for you if you're into that. The scalari brothers have more maquettes, so if you missed out on those in the last auction, there's more scalari brothers maquettes. There's Slimer maquettes. There's so much stuff, uh, and many of these items are coming from the collection of Stuart Ziff, who was the head of the Ghost Shop, working on creature effects and Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters Two. So a lot of this stuff is creature stuff, and like monster and ghost stuff. So um, not so much like uniforms this time around and things, but more ghost stuff that's going to be available. So definitely check this out uh, if you want to, if like you're a high-end collector, or if you just want to gawk at some props, there's so many things that are available. And then beyond that, there's also a number of screen use props from Ghostbusters answer the call, including several proton packs, PKE meters, a ghost chipper, the ghost bear trap device, I think Kevin's motorcycle helmet (laughs) is in there. So these things are all available like for view as part of the digital catalog on propstoreauction.com. And you can go and take a look like you can zoom in super close on so many of these items where you can see all the little cracks in the foam on some of the monster stuff. Um, It's really neat. And bidding's open on this stuff now. It's going to cost you a lot of money. But if you're like into that, they're one of a kind production used and archived items. And I'm hopeful to see some of these things in person because Prop Store is having a VIP event at the end of June, like four days before the bidding weekend. Like there's online bidding, but there's like the live event that happens, happens over like the 28th to the 30th. On the 24th, they're doing a VIP event at the Peterson Museum, which is the big car museum in L.A. And they're going to be having these items there for review and what have you. So um, I don't know if they'll have everything, but they're going to have showcase items available for review and to check out. So I'm hoping to be at that event. I have tickets for it. I'm hoping to be able to report a bit more on that uh, when the event happens and to give you a, some perspective of what a prop store auction for Ghostbusters items, like how does that work and what how does that go down? So um, hopefully I'll have stories about that for you at the end of the month. But before then, you can go and check out all these items right now at propstoreauction.com. Let's talk about a little bit more affordable merch for a few minutes. Um, if you're a t-shirt fan, Get ready for Ghostbusters Day because Fright Rags has announced they'll be pulling Ghostbusters designs out of retirement for reprints. Three designs are going to be available that haven't been available for a while. One is the vintage weathered Ghostbusters logo. The other is the Gozerhead uh, shirt they do that looks like a terror dog done up as like the Motorhead logo. And the who you're going to call advertising design they've released in the past is also coming back. These will all release beginning at 10 a.m. Eastern via Fright-Rags.com at an expected cost of $30 each. These are really nice shirts. Uh, I'm probably going to pick at least a couple of these up because, to be real, I have blown through all of my Ghostbusters shirts through the pandemic. I have bought so many more, and my cat destroys every t-shirt that I have because she climbs me like a tree and leaves holes in everything. Um, and aside from that, as much as I love some of my very cheap Walmart shirts that come, you know, like, three Ghostbusters shirts for like $15 from Walmart.com, Almost all of them have just begun peeling apart um, in the washing machine and needs to be replaced. So uh, seeing these designs show up, I think I'm going to invest in some nicer, uh, higher end T-shirts like $30 a pop that I can wear with pride as opposed to wear while I watch like the direct to garment printing peel off um, (laughs) in total sadness and look like a schlub. If you have the same problems as me or if you just like T-shirts, remember 10 a.m. Eastern FrightRags.com. Um, bright-rags.com, I guess is correct. If you are not into cheaper things and you like the expensive things I talked about from Prop Store, or if you're like the just right in the middle bear from the Three bear story, uh, Premium Collectibles has previewed their statues this past weekend at Monster Palooza in Pasadena, California. You may remember we talked about these a few weeks ago that they had sort of revealed mock-ups of an Egon they'd be doing, and that these were going to be one-quarter-scale Ghostbusters figures. Well, it turns out they're also doing a Slimer figure that's movie accurate as well, and they revealed that at Monster Palooza. Ghostbusters News has great high-res photos of the statues of the Ghostbusters and of Slimer, and they got those from Miguel Medina of the LA Ghostbusters, who's a friend of the show. So, hi, Miguel. Um, but These are high-end statues. There's no details yet on cost, but expect if you want to get into these awesome pieces for your Ghostbusters museum, then um, the other statues they've sold range between like $500 and dollars And if you're going to buy five of them, you need to start saving now. So you're going to have to make some choices here. Are you going to bid and spend like $5,000 on some prop from some old movie? Or are you going to spend like $5,000 on a uh, premium collectible statues? Or you're just going to buy $5,000 worth of $30 t-shirts, or maybe just not spend $5,000. The choice is yours. I leave it up to you. Um, and it wouldn't be Ghostbusters week, though, if we didn't say the word proton pack for some reason. Um, for those of you who have been waiting for bait with baited breath to find out what the heck HalloweenCostumes.com's Proton Pack is about, their replica is now expected to ship next month. At $499.99, it costs twice as much as a Spirit Halloween Proton pack. It's not particularly clear what that price difference means or what it does differently than the Spirit Halloween Proton pack, um, or how it really compares to the more similarly priced Haslab Proton pack released at the beginning of the year. But you know, to I'm going to put a big to to be continued on this because I don't really know much more about it other than its release date has been moved up. Um, They haven't really changed the product photos on it. They haven't really added much to the description. And the understanding we have is that those are mock-up photos, I think. So um, uh, to be continued is my sort of rest of the story here. But if you're looking for an option, the reason I want to like let people know this is out there and happening is especially internationally. spirit doesn't ship internationally they don't do that. So, um, as much as we get excited about spirit Halloween proton packs, and some of us don't, we get really hateful about them, but not me. Cause I'm happy with spirit packs. But as much as people in the U S get really excited about spirit packs coming out and a new spirit pack, there's not a direct like shipping line to folks in the UK. And the one thing you could say here that, you know, about Halloween is they do engage in international shipping. So, if you missed out on a HasLab pack and you're not sure how you're going to you know, get a spirit pack without doing tons of markup on it or finding like a third party shipping forward or something, uh, then it may be worthwhile to look at this and see if it's something that is going to make sense for you in that context. So as much as I know, some people have been like, why does anybody even care about this thing? Um, that's a reason to care about it, because it might be something that's going to be available to folks in one market, but might that might not have other options. So, you know, we'll give you more info as it comes up but, you know, to be continued on the HalloweenCostumes.com Proton Pack. And last but not least, in merchandise news, the folks over at TCU Toys have now opened up pre-orders for their Egon Spengler figure, as well as revealed a special Slime Peter Venkman figure that will be available for folks purchasing the pre-order of a carded set, or you'll be able to get it loose via a special mail-in offer in the vein of old-school Kenner figures, which I think is hilarious. Um, the last time I mailed away for a figure, I had to be like five. Um, so that's kind of amazing, but you can find pictures of both of these figures and details for ordering them over at, at TCU underscore toys on Instagram. And as somebody who has a set of prototypes, these figures and all their accessories, uh, and you know, has, was gifted those by TCU to check them out. I can tell you that you're not going to be disappointed with these. They're so outstanding. And there's so much fun. And if you've seen, there's another account that TCU has. It's called TCU Adventures. Um, it's just this uh, an account where they're taking the toys and putting them into these different scenarios in the world. And they're so fun. It just like kind of demonstrates how much fun you can have with these figures as a, as a total a kid alt who wants to play with toys and also take photos. So um, check them out. The Egon Spangler figure looks great. The slime Peter Venkman looks great. I, I definitely... Um, as much as I have a prototype set of these, I keep looking at them and going, man, I I think I'm really gonna need the full-blown Monty here because the prototypes are great, but I want paint. Um, and if, if you have the option, so take it. <laughs> and so um I want to talk for a couple minutes about video games to wrap up our discussion of headlines. For Ghostbusters Day, Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed will be hosting a live charity stream in partnership with gamers outreach an organization that works to provide play and care through video games and hospitals. If that sounds somewhat familiar, starlight foundation, who we've talked about on this show and we've benefited does things that are similar. So I think it's kind of funny that ghostbusters are coming again to help kids in hospitals with play. Uh, so they'll be running a charity live stream where they'll be giving away prizes and taking donations to help gamers outreach. And they'll match donations made up to $5,000 with a bonus $2,500 donation incentive for players to take on the Elphonic team in matches and win. So this is an opportunity to watch along and participate and donate its potential to engage in gameplay and to win and to help drive up the amount of money that's going to be donated. And there's also going to be giveaways throughout the stream that where the items that are available for giveaway are going to be unlocked based on donation milestones. So like if you if enough people donate enough money, then they'll unlock like a new prize that they're going to give away. So it's almost like. You know, uh, backing a HasLab, except you're doing something cooler, like backing the health of a kid in a hospital and helping them feel better and play a Ghostbusters video game as opposed to feel like crap. Uh, so you can find out more about this on their Instagram page at GhostbustersSU and tune in on Ghostbusters Day on Ilphonic and on Ilphonic's account uh, via Twitch. So it's going to be a really cool opportunity, I think, to watch fans come together uh, from afar, as much as there may not be like a face-to-face Ghostbusters Day event happening. Uh, anywhere on the day, this is one of those things that's happening digitally that people can kind of become a part of and really contribute to, to take that impact of Ghostbusters day and spread it from just, you know, appreciation to also charity. And lastly, in other go video game news, there's a new trailer, including a peek at the story for the new Ghostbusters rise of the ghost Lord VR game coming to meta quest and PS five. Um, and that dropped this past week, along with a roundtable discussion, with Jack Bromhead, art director of End Dreams, Travis Williams, head of production at Oculus Publishing, and three of the VR creators from Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord. Um, You can check out that conversation on the MetaQuest YouTube page to hear about gameplay and gear upgrades. But for me, what was most exciting about this, admittedly, was the trailer because it reveals part of the story. And what it sounds like is that there's a former disgraced student of the Ghostbusters who studies under them uh at columbia university presumably i don't know if they (laughs) go back to teaching there or if it's before they get fired uh but that person goes to san francisco after kind of being told by the ghostbusters that they're too dangerous and that their research is you know crazy and begins harnessing the power of the undead in a project that is masked as a public works and energy initiative but in the process becomes corrupted by evil forces And at the same time, the Ghostbusters kind of open up shop in town. Now, that's not explicitly spelled out in terms of what the plot is, but there are a bunch of different uh, newspaper clippings in the trailer that if you pause and read what they're talking about, they're essentially telling the story of a person coming into the San Francisco and revolutionizing the energy system and doing all kinds of things. And then a series of newspaper clips about hauntings and people disappearing and all kinds of other stuff. So this looks like a really fun experience with the, some new and interesting takes on the ectomobile, the containment unit, and more. Um, I would say go check out the trailer now if you can on YouTube. I'm hopeful to get to play this at some point when it releases in the fall. To be real, I don't have a PS5 and I don't have a MetaQuest, and I'm probably not gonna go spend several hundred dollars just to try one game. Um, so if you have one and you want to invite me over, Extraplasm on Instagram, Extraplasm on Twitter, Extraplasm Podcast at gmail.com, I will come and use your stuff (laughs) with that out of the way. And my social awkwardness thrown on the floor in front of everybody. Let's move out of headlines now and uh, move into our conversation with Matt Provenzal. And we talk a bit again about Ghostbusters, his podcast, um, cross the streams radio and what the big impact is like, why is it that Canadian voices have such a central part? I mean, even from the creation of Ghostbusters, why do Canada and Ghostbusters go so well together. Joining me on Extra Plasm Podcast for the first time, but I'm really glad because he's here, is Matt Provenzal, uh, formerly of Cross the Streams Radio, currently of Being an Awesome Guy. How are you, Matt?
1: (laughs) Very good, Jim. (laughs) Thanks. That was a cool, cool uh, little little blurb. I appreciate that for the bio. That's part of the non-existent Wikipedia article, I guess, of... Hey, that's not fair.
0: You <laughs> actually have a Ghostbusters wiki article. Oh my God. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's what's cool. Whoever curated that. Thank you. Yeah. Like Mr. Michael T out there in the world of Ghostbusters wiki, uh, who runs that shout out, Yeah. but I thought it was funny. I was thinking about this last week. I was looking at stuff, you and I were talking about doing the podcast together and I was like, I want to look at your back catalog and stuff. And so I started to, and then I was like, you actually have a wiki article like that's a you have when you're like, there's no Wikipedia. No, there is. It's just in the Ghostbusters. Sweet. Wiki. So, um, it's kind of fun. But yeah, I mean, you're, you're you know, you do other work. You do music video direction. You're a videographer. You do lots of other things. But in terms of Ghostbusters stuff, you paved a path um, that some people I feel like don't know even was paved to some extent because right. everybody talks about contemporary and current podcasts. But you have a whole back catalog of like interviews with people like, I don't know, Ernie Hudson or Dan Aykroyd or these other folks out there. Um, Yeah. So
1: welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, this was great. This is a long, long time coming. Jim, you've hooked me up with so much cool American Ghostbusters paraphernalia during the afterlife run. (laughs) Thank you so much for the Ghostbusters cereal. I crushed that in maybe a day or two. (laughs) You got to remember in Canada, um, we have health laws against this kind of stuff. So there's like a, there's like a back in like 89, 90, uh, the federal government had to tell the provinces to like, hey, keep an eye on what sugar goes into these things because of children.
0: Are you serious? Yeah.
1: And so um, there's actually a threshold of like sugars and stuff that can't they don't meet health so Canada standards. So that's why standards. you
0: can't get the same crap that well, we get to eat? that's that's it's <laughs> half
1: half of the story. The second half of the story is that none of these um, merchandisers or um, none of these, I guess, um, food manufacturers, they don't want to pay the extra money to make uh, box art in French (laughs) because Ah, of Canada's language laws. (laughs) Because they have to legally create a variant in both English and French if they need to ship it to Canada. So they're like, oh, well, just not – We're just not shipping that. So that's just way easier. So whenever I see like these cool exclusives of like cereals, T-shirts, drinks, I go, all right, how much is shipping to upper state New York? I need to (laughs) charter some guy on horseback to secretly make it across and then. What's, you know, I'm like, cause I'm sitting there chased
0: by Mounties, (laughs) the Mounties. Um,
1: Do you remember the, uh, you know, the untouchables, you know, it was like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was was exactly
1: like that, but for, you know, (laughs) Ghostbusters cereal or Stay Puft marshmallows. So
0: yeah, I, that's the deal, everybody, just in case you weren't sure, I've been running international Ghostbusters bootlegging (laughs) for a while. Um, I've got a whole network of couriers to just carry ectoplasm Mm -hmm. and um and cereal and marshmallows to be fair i did i did i did actually export quite a bit of marshmallows and cereal you did (laughs) during the the run-up i sent things to britain for sure i sent things to canada several times um i think i even sent stuff to spain maybe i can't i i'm trying to think he has a network um, of mules
1: everyone he is is shipping them out (laughs) by donkey by yacht by, okay, the yeah. craziest
0: part about that, because this is like an inside baseball, people were like, are you serious? But it's like, but yes, so like, I sent out this much stuff, and I would buy marshmallows, and because it was the heat of summer, mm-hmm. and I was so afraid of the melting in transit, even though they were just basic campfire marshmallows right. in a bag, I would, like, wrap them in foil and bubble wrap. Oh my
1: god, <laughs> that's that's a border <laughs> services dream. It looked like I was
0: shipping cocaine! <laughs>
1: I'm pretty sure my wife, when she we opened that box, that care package, she, she was like, what the hell did Jim send you?
0: <laughs> what is this? Every time I sent them out I wrapped them in so much stuff. That yeah. was just like I want and this part was half of it was like marshmallows that I was yeah. sending to people cuz they couldn't get the them. mini marshmallows. The yeah. Place.
1: The mini marshmallows did melt slightly. I expected that. The big guys totally <laughs> made it. So thank you. Those were
0: great. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. The funniest place I sent marshmallows I'll be I'll tell mm-hmm. you this. Um I ended up shipping marshmallows to people in New York City. Ooh. Which is the dumbest thing ever, because the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, of course, was birthed in New York City. Right. But the reason no one in New York City could get them is because they were a Walmart exclusive mm. and there are no Walmarts within New York City limits. It's true. It's <laughs> so true. you have to like get on a train yep. or get an Uber or something to go to Jersey. Yes, right. Or go to Long Island or go upstate to go get stupid marshmallows so it was cheaper for people to like say hey can you ship me like three bags of marshmallows (laughs) from california to new york and i was like this is the dumbest thing i've ever seen yeah how bad do they not want to go
1: to jersey that's your question how bad hey, is it's, it?
0: I mean, it's a commitment. It's yeah. a commitment. It's like you figure that if you're going to take an hour to get to the closest Walmart mm-hmm. and an hour back, it's two hours of driving. Like, if you're going to rent a car, if not, you got to ride a train and then get an Uber or a taxi cab to go buy 49, um <laughs> Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's so, uh, from the Canadian perspective, man, Canada Post shipping and shipping in general through eBay and Amazon is brutal. I mean, yes. I agree. I I already knew our dollar is whatever. That's, that's okay. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's the running joke. Um, whatever.
0: I love your squirrel money. Um, yes. <laughs>
1: the, the one that smells like maple syrup. Yes. The hundos smell like maple syrup. That's true. And now we're going to get new money with, uh, uncle Chucky on there. So as uh, our new, uh, <laughs> new monarch. So, um, it's going to be, uh, yeah, I really hope there's some relief soon because, um, I'm, Trying to find all this really cool stuff through, you know, local classifieds and Facebook marketplace and locally stuff because the shipping is absolutely killer. So if you if we can try to figure that out, and that's probably what one of the perspectives of building the fandom within Canada is very interesting because we've had to rely on those resources locally from right, around the yeah. provinces and and use our resources and build up how we can get this stuff to each other. Um, And a huge, huge, huge shout out goes to Adriana from the Ontario Ghostbusters who I've known for more than a decade, uh, who's been amazing at finding those exclusives right across the border and in Toronto and uh, bring it to me. Cause that's, you know, that's a six hour drive and, um, and I've had some <laughs> yeah. amazing stuff get, get delivered here and it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, she even, has even given me uh ALF merchandise because we all know the running gag of oh God, my obsession yes. with ALF, which is the funniest time <laughs> capsule ever It is the, it is the epitome do you, do of, you
0: know that I should say this, yeah. like you, you have done a lot Ghostbusters wise, but when you and I first met, it was like through the YHS, the yes, have some podcasts, like a uh, forum, the group Correct. therapy forum on Facebook. Yes. And when I first met you in that mm-hmm. forum, your persona for me was Alf guy. That's right. Like I was just, I, I just knew you as the dude who loved <laughs> Alf like yeah, more man. than anybody anything else. Before I knew anything about your Ghostbusters appreciation, your like prior work on podcasting, you were just that guy who totally. Just I went all in for Alf. I, fu- I went all
1: in <laughs> on Alf because, it evolved of all the intellectual properties to come out of the '80s, the one that is the most ridiculously gatekept. I cannot believe it <laughs> to this day, is Alf. Because Paul Fusco and, and his co-creator, they locked up Alf so tight. No one wants to work with them. And it's the right. funniest thing ever <laughs> because every other property is licensed and slapped on everything and rehashed right. and reissued, reissued more than Ninja Turtles from Playmates, man. It's bad. Um, Alf is like in this protective bubble and no one wants to deal <laughs> with, with the creators because of the, the negotiation they have to do to make it happen. And I really hey, hope.
0: Give NECA some credit. They seriously, did <laughs> man. NECA
1: must have, they must have had a, a negotiation room worse than 12 angry men to make that happen. <laughs> and I'm so happy that they did because the NECA figure from the TV series and now the two cartoon series figures that have come out, and those are now um, in Canada, thanks to Toys R Us. We still have Toys R Us here which yeah, is really cool. Yeah, you all won the Toys R Us war. We won That's the Toys awesome. R Us war. That's pretty neat. But we, Target went out of business in Canada because right. Canadians were too <laughs> frugal. I love that. They're like, no, we'll take a million dollar stores. But no, Target, get out of here. You're too rich for our blood. So they, so Target hey, went look, away. Hey, what's look, what's your tire store that sells everything? Canadian Tire. Canadian Tire. Which is, now that I'm getting older, it is my favorite store in the entire world. Um, I've got, I've, I've gone almost full, um, uh, middle age breakdown and I've, I've learned to take up landscaping and gardening and <laughs> all this fun stuff in the summer. Cause now it's patio season here in Canada because we have two seasons. We have perpetual, like, um, John Carpenter's, the thing, uh, yeah. Antarctica. <laughs> and then we have scorching climate changes here we're in trouble uh yeah. summer so we're in that stage now um and we're getting the patio ready and we got the lawn great and it's pretty cool and that's like the side it's like I'm uh, putting the money into the landscaping and that's that's like a zen garden <laughs> and then the the action figures and everything else is just like a, another another demon Well that's for,
0: that's for the cold the cold weather that's the um the cold weather That is recreation. exactly it and in fact <laughs>
1: The what kickstarted my, and I'm really trying to pump uh, my own Instagram with the toy collecting and the fun stuff that I'm able to get um is because what kickstarted this was thanks to the yes I have some group uh, and the podcast of course when the pandemic hit we were all locked in together we were like oh, yeah. sharing like how we were going to we're like oh <laughs> yeah. this will be over in a week guys it's no big deal and then <laughs> uh, that didn't happen so. They just before lockdown happened, um, we had the uh New York toy convention, um, and uh, and the guys, uh, yes, ask were there, and they're like, Oh, surprise, they're re releasing the real Ghostbuster wave. And I'm like, That's it, I'm going all in. And right. there was a couple of places I had a lot of one off shelves before, and this whole office was a mess it, just because I was so, um, kind of like I wanted to go all over the place, I want to have little bits of stuff here and there. And then as soon as that first wave of real Ghostbusters, Kenner Classics got announced, I'm like, this is it. I'm in lockdown. There's no foreseeable end. <laughs> Live in the <laughs> moment. Here we go. I'm I'm going all in on real Ghostbusters. And I have always had a, like a few dozen figures. And I've always had a really special, happy connection with that toy line because of the box art, yeah, yeah. the commercials. It was the real Ghostbusters cartoon, and the toys were the driving force of of the franchise in terms of the popularity and the images associated oh, sure, yeah. with kids. And I was like, this toy line is amazing. I love the vibrant neon colors. I love the resin companion yeah. ghosts. The, the firehouse, which I was able to get uh, – again, all of this happened – One week before lockdown and then all throughout (laughs) uh, February of 2020 uh, when the Toy Fair uh, lineup got announced, I found a Ghostbusters Firehouse complete listing uh, locally in my area and the guy wanted only $100 Canadian for it. And I was like, I'm already in the car. (laughs) I'm coming. Like, I'm just driving into your front window. So... I managed to get it and it came from another collector. He was just, he was switching from Ghostbusters to Transformers. Yeah. God
0: help him. He was, was so funny. He went,
1: yeah, he just abandoned one whole toy line and he went all in on
0: another. I did that. Yeah. So I, I abandoned He-Man. Well, I abandoned uh, Masters of the Universe. Yeah. That's tough. Cause that's like, that was a crazy For a run, run, long man. time. That's a crazy run. Yeah. You had everything. I, mean, I, I didn't collect classics. I collected vintage. Yeah. Like, I, I had them all since I was a kid. And so it was like, I didn't have to buy anything new, but it was like, I had, all of my original figures. I had my of place. I had all of it. Oh man. And I was like, I looked at it and I was like, you know what I really want? I want everything. I want all the Maddie. I want all the Maddie Ghostbusters Bingo. more than I want all this old Maddie, like, uh, you know, He-Man yep. and I just literally sold off yep. like piece by piece, all of my Maddie collection. And then the process I would just buy my, my He-Man collection. I would just buy lots of Maddie stuff off eBay. <laughs> like, and it was just like straight up, just re-rolled from one collection into the other. So yep. I totally get that. It's so funny that you said that. You so. get
1: this, uh, you know, this like, does this spark joy moment when you walk into the room and the moment it doesn't, yeah. it's like, it's gotta go. Uh, cause Thank God the new season of Hoarders is on Annie and I gets reminded of like, oh yeah, you don't want that. You don't want to just buy for sake of buying. We like, I am, I am 1000% all in on the positivity of collecting. I absolutely love it. My parents are antique dealers, so I blame them.
0: You get it. I get it. Yeah.
1: Because what we're doing is like the old timey version of, you know, of like, oh, we're gonna go buy some Morcroft vases or some collectible plates,
0: or you know, I, let's that's, get that's some. so funny. I say you know, Elvis you know. plates. Elvis like, this is my yeah. version of Elvis yeah. plates. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, or, the, or the and hilariously, in thirty years, no one will want this shit. No, just like nobody wants Elvis plates. Right. <laughs> but like,
1: like- <laughs> I have no idea where this collection is going afterwards. Maybe a museum. Maybe it'll go, or i will go to my uh, nieces and nephews, and they'll. <clears throat> take everything out of the box and i'll lose my mind i don't know um i just like <laughs> i i'm really happy that i'm restricted on space because space danger yeah. is keeping oh yeah everything in order and i'm so happy for that i'm so happy for that because it's <laughs> like i can't go all in on ninja turtles i just can't right i love the idea of having like the original uh four maybe the 10 original 10 card of yeah, Ninja Turtles, yeah, yeah. but I physically right. have no room for it. So right. um yeah it's funny you mentioned that I'm the Alf guy. I would I would go in on some really weird ALF paraphernalia just to say that I have it. <laughs> um, the funniest thing I have seen so far and I'm hopefully can share this later is there's an eBay listing of someone making custom Simpsons Alf POGs and uh they're amazing <laughs> so someone painstakingly uh, screen capped the moment where uh millhouse has his hands out and he shows the elf pogs and they graphically um made high quality versions of the elf <laughs> pogs
0: weird deep cut including <laughs> <It's>
1: just... <laughs> including the steve allen king of the pogs pog which is great uh and um, and yeah, so you can get those, and it's that wonderful. is such
0: a blending of two esoteric like collectibles. Yeah, right? like pogs are a thing that I haven't thought about in years. Oh man, but, um, I had yeah. I had
1: pogs the, the height of it, and there was one recess while I was in elementary school, and again, it was one of those moments where I was like, "Does this spark joy?" And I'm like, "Nope," and I. <laughs> fire sold them all (laughs) i think here you go i did a a decent trade i'm pretty sure i traded them all for like marvel masterpiece collectible (laughs) cards or something like that this was like 95 or actually it was probably fear ultra spider-man cards which i absolutely love and i picked up a complete (laughs) set of those at a comic Convention for twenty dollars. At
0: that point, I would have yeah. been deep into Magic the Gathering. Yeah. That would oh have shit, man! Magic. If when you that had came told out, some prodigal ooh. sorcerers and told me I could have those for some pods. Jesus. I would have traded you in a second. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we we had some crazy shit. But um, no, I just I'm so happy about the people sharing their collections, going to IKEA, building furniture so they can display it, and then yeah. like people like learning about uh, you know just having to build lighting boxes and and led light yeah. displays like that is so great it's i it think about just it. like
0: over that pandemic time yeah we'll man. Talk, we're going to talk a bit in a f- few minutes about like sort of your background and sort of the, the, the canada connection for ghostbusters because yeah. i think it's important for us to talk about but i think this is a fun thing to be chatting about for a minute is the sort of pandemic collecting thing that we all went through a little bit because <laughs> that's an I remember the point where like <clears throat> Do you remember when we were starting to talk about variants of the real Ghostbusters figures? We were like, dude, oh, my God, yours. <laughs> there's, there's different
1: card art. <laughs> my God. OK, so the again, we're doing this face to face, but to all the listeners, yeah. um, we Jim, did it all in text. Jim, this is the fun
0: part about you and me talking finally is they all happen in text. It's all happened in text happened form. In so. Text form. Yeah, yeah. So Jim.
1: Right. um was the extreme sleuth. And he tipped us off about how to use the UPCs to identify all the different variants for the real ghostbusters toys. <laughs> um, all the box art variations. Um, you I actually, you saved me, this, you <laughs> saved me a huge one when you discovered that the pre-orders that I did through Zavi were going to be the international cards only. And I was like, Oh shit. So I pulled a plug on those. <laughs> And I found some, uh, two collectors. I found, um, uh, one guy in upper state New York who had, um, the first wave of the four guys and he had the ones that had, who are you going to call on them, which they got (laughs) pulled because Hasbro's like, oh man, we owe Ray Parker Jr. a lot of money now. Right. So they changed the (laughs) box art. Um, and then, of course, uh, we got uh, Justin West from the uh, Strange Glow uh, video podcast, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, he helped hook me up with uh, Slimer and Stay Puft out uh, where he's at, at his Walmart. And thank you again, Justin, for all that awesome stuff. And but- most recently, the Elf Ghost from Phantasm <laughs> Toys and those guys, yeah. the Glow in the Dark. See, I told you, it comes Shout back to Elf to every time. It comes back to Alf. You find weird Alf stuff. I'm all on it. Like the (laughs) the Burger King, the Burger King, uh, Alf uh, play sets that came with the record, where it was Paul Fusco rapping as Alf or doing like a Beach Boys (laughs) version of uh, his own version of a beach song. It was as Alf. It's just like ridiculous. I love that stuff because as soon as 1990 hit, Alf was. Done. Done. Like, pull the plug. Never talk about this property ever again. 1990. It's like, goodbye. Four years.
0: Did Alf last longer than the Beatles? I don't know. Maybe by a month. But yeah. I was thinking about this as you were talking about this. I was thinking about that the deep point of all of that Mm -hmm. variant talk. Yeah, man. Is that at some point I began comparing the paint on Vankman's hair because I had Vankman hair that was dark versus Vankman hair that was light right. based off different production lots. And that's the point where I went, okay, you need to stop. Yeah. It's like, time, you, you time gotta, to you stop. Gotta, you, now you're like literally creating variants yeah. based off of paint color that probably just, this is what happens when you produce toys. Well, but the other thing I was thinking about is that those, those international figures, yeah. ironically enough. Now, of course, those are the ones that people are like, Oh, they're international. They're harder to find. <laughs> no, <laughs>
1: they're not. They're at the your dollar stores now. They're at the. Uh, no, I'm Ollie's or if you look,
0: if you look at what's at Ollie's, yeah. if you actually look at what is at the Ollie's, it's all U.S. language cards. So then they were it's in a warehouse my- <laughs> unsold.
1: That's crazy.
0: It's what it is. I honestly think. And this is very like for some of you this is like very way inside baseball. And you're like, really? This is what you're going to do at the time. But yes, um, the, the, <laughs> the, I think what happened at some point was that in the pandemic mess, somehow international cards ended up being supplied to Walmart. Mm. And that, cause Walmart, they were Walmart exclusives. Those figures That's right. they first came out, which is like, why would there even be international cards for a Walmart exclusive? Mm-hmm. If it, like, it's Walmart exclusive. Like, Walmart doesn't exist in all of these countries no. that have all the international language at some point, like they somehow ended up getting stock of just whatever, whether it was, hey, we can't supply. Hey, we lost supply, whatever it was, there's was all kinds of stuff that happened during that era because you had the pandemic, mm-hmm. you had like a canal closing that happened as a result of stuff that like caught boats for yep. weeks that couldn't move. You had boats that couldn't come off ports and product that got destroyed. So like for some way somehow U S Walmart ended up with all these international cards, <laughs> but then later when they ended up putting stuff on the shelf, not the stuff that they put out in the stores, but rather not the stuff they put out via pre-orders, the stuff they actually put in the stores didn't have the international cards. That's right. And so everything that went to clearance, everything that sat around for months and months and months and months, and then ended up being like, you know, liquidated to Ollie's, was not international cards. So strangely enough, if you're in the U S now, the hardest thing to find <laughs> is the international. it's crazy. Ones. Like,
1: yeah, w- so we had, it makes no sense. Yeah. And it was really weird right when the toys came out. Um, Canada had crazy, uh, restrictions, uh, border restrictions, had crazy lockdown retail restrictions at one point. I don't know what, who came up with this, but they were like, you cannot buy alcohol after 8 PM. Because if you do, <laughs> the virus will get you. So they were like, that's it. So we're, <laughs> we're you know, that's the rule. So um, we had to adhere to a lot of all the uh, uh, safety protocols and the uh, restrictions from Health Canada. And so a lot of Walmarts had restricted hours or uh, they had capacity right. issues. So when I was hunting for toys in Canada, Walmart Canada, the international cards would show up. Uh, but then sometimes you'd get um, a few weird U.S. versions that would appear, um, which they right. weren't supposed to. Because, again, going back to the cereal box art, the international cards is what should only be sold in Canada because it has both English and French and then all the other languages
0: as well, too. And the yeah. other reason why is because it has all of the correct the the international warranty and safety information. <laughs> yeah, that's neat. Like, Don't that's put guess what are, are you doing? Like, Don't put that to right. your mouth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't chew on the Stop proton it. pack. It's not food. Don't eat the proton pack. <laughs> so, yeah, like I, I, it is weird to think about this, but mm-hmm. it's like we now I'm thinking about it. Like we, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of trying to move stuff over borders yep. to help people out with things. And I imagine we're going to do it again for like the next movie that comes out. I'm sure there will be oh, man. new toys and new things that only get released here, only get released there. Yeah, we're all, you all did have access to those weird candies.
1: Yes, um, we had the weird candies. We had the weird, um, stay puff figures, but they were in different things. We were, had them, uh, not in the jars. We had them in loose pouches. We had baggies. We had baggies. Yep, like dime Which baggies. Ought to be fair,
0: So did um. So did Germany. That's yes, right. And so did Japan. And the wave two of those figures mm-hmm. talked about like an episode five of this podcast. Probably I can't remember <laughs> when, but like the the second wave, there was like wave one, yeah, and there was wave three, and those came out in the weird jars of marshmallow goop that everyone went. Why God? Why <laughs> about um. And I strangely kept because I'm fucked up. <laughs> no <laughs> but, man. You um, use it as drywall that, paste. Yeah, or I don't know, or just the deterrent for fun. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but um, wave two only like never got released in the U.S. Right. Like they never made it here. And when they did show up, they ended up showing up like in two markets, like Germany and Japan, and only in the same foil bags that you all got. Right. So. Like I want to talk about cross the streams a bit for sure in a few <laughs> yes. minutes because like I it's like part of why. but I only want to talk about Canada because like we kind of segue naturally into talking about oh, why
1: Canada. is Canada.
0: Hey, look! I I grew up in a hockey family, so when you do that, I'm like I get off like the feels because um, you get all like my
1: dad Patrick Waugh from the Montreal Canadiens, all teared up. Yeah, yeah. man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I dude. I saw somebody. I saw a photo the other day of a Nordiques hat, oh, and I got all excited. Dude, I was like, "That's awesome!" I hope. Like I I haven't heard of the Nordiques in forever, yeah, man. I hope that uh, but, team
1: comes back, but we all know that <laughs> it's gonna be Houston that gets an NHL team. I know,
0: <laughs> right? Of all the markets, but I like but for real, like I've never been to Canada, but it's so weird because like we would get wrestling figures as kids because my grandfather was from Nova Scotia originally. So he would like, he would go to Nova Scotia and he would come back with like LJN rubber wrestling figures that we couldn't get. (laughs) He would just show up like the British bulldog and we would be like, where did you get this? Like how? And he'd be like, I went to Canada. Uh, it was this strange place we'd never known. And then (laughs) as we got older, my, my brother played. Yeah. My brother played hockey. Uh, through like all of junior high school and high school. My dad ended up coaching high school and referee coaching high school hockey and like junior hockey and might hockey and whatever the hell else. And he did like training at the Olympic, uh, like, uh, facility for refereeing and all kinds of nonsense. So like I have, you know, for me, for real, like I joke about how much I love Canada, even though I've never been there, but so much of my stupid life has come from Canada, whether it's something produced by a Reitman or whether it's like, a deep appreciation from things from hockey or whether it was action figures that were brought over a border in my like young collecting years where I went, Oh my God, there's an entire land of a, a place <laughs> that has this thing called Tim Hortons. That's right. And it's, uh, and it's the great North. And <laughs> it, and wow, that's crazy. Um, so I wanted to ask you this for real. Yeah. like I find it fascinating, like shout out to ghostbusters news. Shout out to Chris Stewart. Like shout out to all the, the like, I feel like I'm going to leave someone out of this. Like, Shout out to Ryan Dole. Shout out to anyone who's Canadian. But like, <laughs> I think about this particularly in the period of time when there weren't Ghostbusters movies being made, but like the fandom and it's sort of a sustaining publications. And this is not to like the like Ghostbusters HQ exists and shout out to Troy. Cause like Troy Benjamin's awesome. And I, I think Troy's great. <laughs> like, and, and shout Troy's, out to AJ Troy Troy's a
1: crazy hockey fanatic. So, He's all on board. I know. He's,
0: and what's funny is that he's a fan of the Avalanche right. who used to be the Nordiques. So like it's full a whole full circle full thing circle. right now. But like, but I think about this sometimes that like, I don't know if it's because the Wrightmans are Canadian and Dan Aykroyd is Canadian or what it is. But like during the point where there weren't a lot of Ghostbusters things being produced, mm-hmm. some of the biggest voices of fan production and media were. Canadian voices, right. and even today, if you were to be like, "I'm gonna Google anything about Ghostbusters," I want to find out something. One of the first places you're gonna be taken, if not the first place, is Ghostbusters news, which obviously, like Jason Fitzsimmons is in Canada, that's right? And if not, then like you might end up at the interdimensional cross rip, which, of course, Chris Stewart <laughs> is still Canadian because he hasn't left. We're noticing a problem. So, <laughs> there's a like, there's a I, trend, well, a disturbing trend. What do you? Like, what do you think it is like why do you think that that's like, a great point the Ghostbusters has resonated so deeply at with like Canadian mm-hmm. culture if that makes sense yeah. and maybe and I don't I hope I'm not reading too much into it Not that, all man. Like, there's a there's a psych- Canadian culture there's but,
1: a there's a psychological know. reasoning and explanation that someone explained this to me once they're like what it was somebody asked like what's the greatest sketch comedy show and a lot of people will say well Saturday night Live, is one. Um, yeah. There's, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Mr. Show with Bob and David. I think that's like the greatest sketch. Sure. And then of course, now you have, um, I think you should leave Tim Robinson, which leaves me in hysterics. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people will deep cut it and they'll start talking about how SCTV, you know, yeah. that, that helped lay the groundwork and, you know, second city being the, what helped kickstart Saturday night live eventually you know how the original lineup eventually split ways and they borrowed players from groundlings and they borrowed players so that they can go to Saturday Night Live or they can form SCTV here in Canada and then they sold their show to the United States but the sketch comedy show that i think is has i think the most influential understanding of canadian humor is kids in the hall Oh, yeah. And uh, if you want to go even a step further, because you named, name dropped uh, Nova Scotia, it's Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> Trailer Park Boys. Those two, like, I'm, I'm going to say, in terms of sketch comedy, uh, Kids in the Hall is unapologetically self depreciating and, 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 For sure. and, um, yeah. tongue in cheek look of Canadian culture and heritage. <laughs> and what it comes down to, What I've always thought was interesting with all these like Canadian voices trying to keep the fandom going is because we know not to take ourselves too seriously because we're always looked the country that's always looked upon as, yeah, we're the largest landmass, but we're like still secondary market on a lot of shit. (laughs) So we're like the underdog. We get to kind of go into into a fight where. We're like not expected to win. So we don't really have, don't really give a shit if it goes one way or the other. (laughs) So we're cool with making fun of ourselves and being humble that way. Yeah. And the fact that we experience such crazy, insane weather changes, polar opposite half of the year. Um, we use the winter downtime as kind of a way to. I don't know, get our, get our interests, uh, tweaked in terms of how we are, no, how we're going to get that. And it's like six months of digestion and writing. And then when spring and summer hit, we just unload this, these I crazy did grad stuff.
0: school in Wyoming. Oh yeah. And I joke that like, Dude. That, like there's two, like the joke in Wyoming yeah. is that like, this is not my joke. I feel bad even like stealing from somebody else who I heard it from, but like. <laughs> The running joke that you'll hear is that there's two seasons in Wyoming, winter and road work. That's right. Right. That these are like the two seasons that that exist. That is is the constant. It snows from like September to May, May and between like May and, you know, September, that's when we fix our roads. And other than that, like that's how it is. So true. And it was weird. Cause like living in Wyoming to me, I was like, this is like living in Canada inside of the U S <laughs> it's strange. But Chicago, like, yeah, Chicago like, is a, is going to yeah. be
1: a, a little tip off too. Cause that great Lakes stuff. It's that gives you a taste of what it's like really, really bad out in the prairies in terms of weather. Cause winter yeah. wise, it's, it'll mess you up. But yeah. Why is it that every <laughs> major Canadian, um, uh, like, creator that's behind a ghostbusters podcast helped kick this kick this off like like i said um we have a kind of a weird connection with dan Aykroyd, (laughs) and uh we have a weird connection with all the other creators that we understand that that uh you know uh that tongue in cheek of like we can make fun of ourselves and be comfortable with it because we know that you know we we have our foot in the game but we really are just happy to be there <laughs> we don't necessarily yeah. are there to be winning it's part of our it's in our inherent culture not to be like number 1 and we're the best country in the world in in many ways, like we have a lot of, you lack
0: the sense of, you're telling me you lack the sense of American exceptionalism. I don't know what you're talking about. Doesn't everyone have a sense of exceptionalism about their own country and a sense of nationalistic, like we come first pride.
1: What are you talking about? Certain provinces (laughs) in Canada are, are part of that rule, but (laughs) others are not. Um, yeah, we, uh, we just have this, Like I said, like one of the most formative uh, times of me growing up was when I got to not only like Ghostbusters was probably the earliest memories I have in terms of watching movies and um, American television across the board. um, We were able to get from where I live, we were able to watch um, ABC, NBC, and uh, CBS affiliates. Uh, From Detroit, from um, upper state New York, from Vermont. So I was able to watch all the cool stuff uh, that you guys did. Just, you know, the TV signal just reached to us, you know, just made made it. it. So, um, (laughs) man, um, ABC Sunday night movies. Man, I miss Ernie Anderson as the voice of ABC. Because that was like (laughs) the most formative, like that connection Canadians have with American media. Because yeah. our 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 television is very much, let's be completely honest. It's like cable access.
0: Yeah, but your news is news so is calm. Good. News is calm. <laughs>
1: that news
0: is calm here. I can your news is I, like the best news. I can to watch. watch the news
1: here, <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's unfortunate. Cool. Oh, there's a puppy. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Oh, it's all better now. <laughs>
0: Our news is like, we're going to tell you why a group of people who you don't like are going to ruin your world. Every, Tune in to find out why. Every, every time, <laughs> um,
1: because um, I, I get to watch um, SNL up here and I have it taped off of uh, NBC and it's the Detroit affiliate. So every time, yeah. every time um, Saturday Night Live ends, it cuts into the news and yeah. I get the Detroit news <laughs> and it's like holy shit what a what a change it's like did did i accidentally change the channel and am i watching black mirror like holy christ it's,
0: it's not it's crazy
1: yeah it's wild man it's nuts so they're like like i think the, the question you're looking for is like how is it that you like you said the the voices of this fandom primarily are canadian it's because one, when we're dealing with this crazy downtime of winter, we get ultra, ultra writer mode creative and we'll yeah. get obsessed with a specific medium or, or, or movie or television show. We just, we really want to have this knowledge of learning more about it because it's outside of our realm. So we're cool being the outsiders looking into it. Whereas, You know, in the United States, maybe you guys are just bombarded with so much, (laughs) so much shit and media and (laughs) And money. we also go outside. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) you You have, you (laughs) you know, that's it. Yeah, it's just crazy. So, um, it's just, it was really funny how it started in a way with, uh, within like 2009, 2010. Uh, Cross the Streams Radio was basically started uh, by Brendan uh, and myself, and we had a few other collaborators at the at the start. Um, We had uh, our website hosted on GB Night Squad, which was a very very underground Ghostbusters fandom. But shout out to all the GB Night Squad people who (laughs) lent us their website, which was
0: I'm going to be real for a second. I heard about Ghostbusters Night Squad once, and I was like. What is that? Yeah. And then I Googled it and I was it, like, wow, I never knew this existed. Yeah. So
1: it's kind of yeah. Fun. So like early website fandom slash before Reddit, before Fortune. Yeah. <laughs> Some yeah. dark, yep. dark before
0: all of that. So yeah. it
1: was really cool. And they were very, very happy to have us because we treated the show as like we were the, you know, the underdogs again, going back to the Canadian mentality of like, oh, we're just going to do this because we have no real fear of losing. We're, there's no, there's no, we're just, and we're happy to make fun of ourselves because of that reason, which is great. That's the, that's the best ammo you can have as a comedian or a comedy right. writer is being like, I don't give a shit. So I have. And I'm self aware about my own, my own bullshit. Yeah. And that's why Ghostbusters has a great connection mentally with Canadians because that's, the, that's the same way we approach many, many issues. So seeing the, the four guys. Start a business, winging completely, winging it. Uh, right, you know that that speaks to a lot of how Canadians handle like these intense craziness that we do with up here. So there's a lot of resonance about that. So that I think that's where that connection. This laser
0: is. containment system, Spengler and I have in mind is going to cost the yeah. fortune. Where are we gonna get the money? I don't know. I don't that's know. It. I don't. Just, know.
1: just go with
0: it. Just <laughs> just go with it.
1: Um, so. When the Cross Radio uh, really took off in, in uh, 2009, 2010, with all the crazy celebrity guests we were able to get in the first wave, um, we were like, my God, um, we are 15 episodes in. We have absolutely no bandwidth. We have no website. We, what are we going to do to host this stuff? <laughs> and that was when uh, we ran into uh, Jason Fitzsimmons at um, one of the Wizard Worlds or Fan Expos or Toronto Comic Cons, and he was like I'm starting this website, and uh, I think it'd be really cool if Cross the Streams Radio got to have its own little piece on uh, Ghostbusters News. That way, we can the, the, he can help hosting it, and that was like the biggest godsend because then that alleviated the pressure of us having to deal with hosting and uh, our website right. and 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 the pro- providers up here were absolute dog shit so
0: well and yeah. to be real like at the point you're talking about like now mm-hmm. if you're like I, not to be like hey everyone yeah, I have it easy but like I, if you want to start a podcast y- there's an app for that oh, right? like yes. you can go and just like I, I, we're not on anchor this is not a promotion that's not who our mm-hmm. host is our host is Podbean. that's also not a promotion I pay them <laughs> they don't pay me Uh but like but, yeah but realistically like at the time that you all were doing yes. this you were at the infancy of podcasting like there were not a whole bunch of different the platforms beginning. that you could just go. No, the yeah, very, like, very beginning. RSS was even like, people were like, wow, Web 2.0, RSS, what a concept. You could syndicate things and it would show up in other people's yeah. stuff. And so like to need a host like at that time for like large MP3 files, uh, like because then they were like now we think about A hundred megabyte MP3 file. People are like whatever you download that off your mobile <laughs> provider. But like back no. then. You were not downloading no. files that big unless you were doing so over Wi-Fi because you were paying on plans that were like, right. "Hey, you've got maybe two gigs a month yeah. for your whatever," and there wasn't an app that did all of it for you. So at the yeah, time,
1: that's, it's, at the time we were uh, recording our episodes and we had to master them. They had to be hosted on a the file had to be hosted on a server, and then our RSS feeds and everything. We had to provide instructions to all the viewers on how to download the episode so they could put it physically on their iPod classics.
0: <laughs> um, the iPhone with a click, with the click wheel. wheel. There's no, like like no video <laughs> screen. No, like the none iPhone of that. Like, hadn't
1: <laughs> even made it to Canada yet until 2010. <laughs> so yeah, like uh, people were, um, if you speaking of variance and craziness of, of trading collectibles, people were running across the border buying iPhones wholesale in the U.S. and then selling them in Canada in 2009 for three times the price (laughs) just so that they can show off that stupid Zippo lighter app at a bar. Look at what I can do now with my phone,
0: man. I am so cool. Wait, was the Zippo lighter app particularly banned by Canadian legislation out of a fear that would cause Canadian wildfires or um? Uh, (laughs) – I'm pretty sure it had to do
1: something with that. It pissed off Quebec or something. I don't know.
0: (laughs) But like, but you're like that part of what I want people to understand, like listening is like, Oh cool. You created a podcast. Like, no, like this is like creating a podcast when there was no ecosystem or infrastructure to create a podcast, or at least there wasn't any, it was all in its infancy. I shouldn't say there was none, but it's like, I think about your podcast at that time is like the same point that Doug loves (laughs) movies was people talk like Doug Loves movies at this point has been like 10 years on, but like early on people would say, have you heard Doug loves movies? And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's this podcast thing. Like, oh, so like, it's like MP3s you download to your phone and listen to. I mean, and it's weird to think about this, but like most people don't recognize this, that I think that like the iPhone didn't exist. Until like 2007? Yeah. Well, it was, annou- in the US? It was announced
1: then and then later on it came out um, in U.S. only. Right. Because there was no Canadian yeah. cell phone carrier that they could negotiate with Apple to, to get Right. It. So it took years for Canada to uh, basically sign the partnership with Apple to allow it to be on their carriers. It, it took forever.
0: right? So – yeah. And what's funny about that is like, that's what kind of made podcasting. I think as popular yes. as it is, is like you had an iTunes story and all this stuff. And you're, you're talking about creating a, a essentially an online radio yes. show, like <laughs> in the era before yeah, that. Man. But what's funny to me is that you're also not talking about real player, which is like, if you want to really date yourself as an oh, old yeah. person, you could talk about the number of things you downloaded on real well, player. I was telling life,
1: Chris, but- <laughs> I was telling Chris Stewart this, that I vividly remember going on to, Proton charging, Ghostbusters HQ and Ghostbusters.net, and downloading whole yeah. real Ghostbusters episodes to watch <laughs> on real player, and it took twenty days to download over dial up. A dial up fifty-six yeah. k. Yeah, if you it were was lucky. Brutal. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the funniest thing I remember then was trying to explain to my parents and to friends what the hell I was doing? And I was like, we are basically pirate radio on the internet. And they're like, (laughs) oh, that's cute. They're like, oh, that's cute. Like, oh, you just talk to a few people. And then in 2012, I was like, yeah, we hit like 20,000 downloads in one month. And that's without streaming. Like we did not like right. YouTube didn't there allow was no streaming. Yeah, YouTube didn't allow that quite yet.
0: There was no and there was no like there was probably not like Spotify nope. at that point where people get in their cars and no, man. play. Like you had to actually yeah. plan the
1: download. So the whenever there was a limitation, we you would have to find some weird, crazy third party workaround. And like and it helps that none of us were sleeping. We would
0: just stay up and edit. So you just like crush Wait, it. I don't, I don't exactly. know what you're talking about. This is not a show that gets produced at three o'clock in the morning on Sunday to Monday right. morning before it comes out at don't eight o'clock you, on Monday. And people go, why doesn't he just put it out no. at midnight? I have no idea None. what you're talking no, about. Not,
1: not, not in the slightest. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just really cool because, um I mean— there was a Ghostheads podcast that was there were they were crushing it with um, the Ghostbuster fans and they were doing their own thing with um, their hosting and uh, and then we came out and then of course like it was like okay time to start the late night talk show wars between the two which was absolute <laughs> bonkers and um, Brendan went all in on it and became more. Andy Kaufman-esque with his approach to promoting the show. So there was a made-up rivalry between the two, which was uh, very much Jay Leno, Conan O'Brien at the time. (laughs) And I unfortunately had to kind of smooth things over in between. Um, AJ infamously banned me and Brendan at one point from Ghostbuster fans, which was great. And then, of course, (laughs) that all just disappeared. Uh, And then we're, I guess, allowed back? Question mark? (laughs) Uh, So... (laughs) <laughs> no, it was, it was a lot of fun because that was it. It was like our approach was like, this is like a pirate radio show where we get to talk about Ghostbusters. But then what gave it such crazy, um, validity was we got Dan right? And Ernie Hudson in the first month because of yeah, this is like the craziest like, thing. The, right. Like Cosmos aligned itself. And when I first met Brendan, it was at a, Ghostbusters uh, 35 millimeter screening at the Mayfair theater in Ottawa on mother's day. And I called my mom and I was like, Hey mom, I can't come down today, but I just sent you a card and some flowers, but I'm going to a screening of Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. And I'm wearing a flight suit, and I glued <laughs> patches on, and I'm gonna go crash the movie theater. But I'll call you later today. She's like, "Okay, that sounds fun." She, she, she laughed it off, and I just, I had this mindset of like, wouldn't it be funny if I didn't tell the movie theater or the owner of the movie theater that I was doing this, and I would, um, <laughs> me and two other guys would just wear our really crappy Rothko flight suits and uh, and just slap on some patches and just crash the theater. And we did that. And it was a huge hit. And uh, and the owners of the Mayfair Theater were rapidly ecstatic. And they were, they, we all took pictures. And then lo and behold, uh, Brendan Mertens was there. And uh, I'll never forget this because he was wearing a corduroy suit jacket and a Ghostbusters button, like a 1984, like the, the same button that Dan Aykroyd wore. On the Johnny Carson show, he found something like okay. that, like a replica. And we saw the movie and it was great. I love seeing Ghostbusters on 35 millimeter because it's an original 84, 85 print from Columbia Pictures that gets loaned out to just the Canadian distributors. Like, you know how, it, you know how gotcha. it is, right? With projections, they, you you lease the copy uh, from Columbia yeah, mean, yeah. You, or Sony. Right. And then you're allowed to have it for a certain time and then you give it back. You gotta, you gotta give it back. back right. So this print, man, has been so I like like to say well loved. Uh the movie the movie grindhouse <laughs> with Death Proof and uh Planet Terror had less pops and scratches than this than this version. <laughs> it was phenomenal. It was like watching Ghostbusters in a drive-in uh and
0: dice, Hey, th- real yeah. talk. That's how oh, I saw great. it. Like my first Ghostbusters experience when I was four was literally oh. at the drive. in so you tell me that my heart opens oh, up man. and goes,
1: I want more. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I was the, I was the VHS, right? The VHS era of the 85, 86 timeframe of, um, you know, the Ghostbusters, uh, yeah. embossed logo on the first run of, TDK VHSs. Yep. And then you ran you ran yep. that tape until it turned clear. And then uh and then seeing it on TV. That was it. Like ABC Sunday night movie. That was an event. Yeah. Like Ernie Anderson and all the, the voiceover. The Ernie Anderson, if you guys don't know, is the voice of Star Trek The Next Generation TV promos on ABC. And <laughs> he was the best. He was the best voice guy ever there's a half an hour youtube video of him just bloopers i highly recommend it it's the (laughs) funniest thing you'll ever hear it's just him trying to do the stingers for abc for the week yeah yeah so he's like tonight on a new who's the boss tony runs into angela in the shower and then he's like oh jesus fucking so he's trying to get through these stingers it's like tonight on an emotional The Wonder Years. What the fuck? Who wrote this shit? It's the funniest (laughs) thing ever. So highly recommend. But I vividly remember this. This was probably 1990, 1991. It wasn't the first time they showed Ghostbusters on ABC, but it was like 89 or 90. And it was like springtime. So it's like, and you can relate to this. It's like the school year is almost over, right? the light is at the end of the tunnel you're like oh man summer's coming this is gonna be great and you're watching
0: ice cream man starting to roll around around the block and then all of a
1: sudden it's like you're watching america's funniest Home videos with bob saget and then (laughs) like three two one commercial break and then it's boom this Sunday, who are you going to call? And then they show the promo and it's like slimer flying at the camera. And then it's like, <laughs> this chick is toast. And then it's like, on a special ABC Sunday night preview, it's like Ghostbusters, seven o'clock. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> and then the next day at school, Monday, you're like, guys are playing Ghostbusters on Sunday. And then everyone's like <laughs> freaking out and there's like, Oh, we got to watch a party. And then it's like, we're going to have snacks. We're going to do all this stuff. And it was amazing. And then like everyone taped it. Everyone had it on. That was like, if you didn't have ghostbusters on VHS because all you could do was rent it or you had a, right. you know, you couldn't afford it because maybe the copy was like 50 bucks at the time to buy it. Um, right. Watching it, with all those commercials and all the, the, the voiceovers on ABC was like an event. And that's the one thing I miss is, that's missing from the streaming era was that event television of movies. But, of course, we all know what happened. We watched the crazy edited-for-TV version of Ghostbusters, which, like, everything is missing. What a knock of pure, pure fun that yeah. was. <laughs> oh, my God. Or Wally Wick, the good old Wallywick line. So... <laughs> So yeah, that was the thing.
0: So yeah. instead, the other so the so the other iconic moment of Ghostbusters for you is thirty five millimeter print with all the pops. Yeah, and, all and the, uh, they're like yeah.
1: every every time there was a real change, I knew it was coming because the print would just go and then like freeze frame jump because of all the <laughs> all the frames missing. <laughs> and like the whole thing was hodgepodge together. Like um, I knew it was the same because I've seen this print multiple times at the Mayfair Theater, and I know when the part's coming because when when Sigourney Weaver screams and sees goes into the fridge and sees the, the thing goes, Zool. Yeah, yeah. There's like five frames missing. The audio goes out of sync and the <laughs> fridge <laughs> slams. And then um, the Marty guy is making the sign. He's making the Ghostbusters sign. And then the scream goes <laughs> yeah. over top. So it's like everything is misaligned audio. This it's this completely out of, out of sync. So yeah. I was like, I know what print this is. This is amazing. So I've had amazing <laughs> experiences at the Mayfair Theater in Ottawa with the Ghostbusters 35mm print. And thanks to that screening, Cross the Streams radio was born because that's how I met Brendan. And then he literally said, <laughs> I just recorded a pilot episode for Cross the Streams. Do you want to co-host? And I So how that's how you- I met him. And that's where I was like, Yep, we're gonna be fucking friends. Let's do this.
0: How do you get from there to Dan Aykroyd, like, how does that happen? How do you go from being yeah. like, we're going to start mm-hmm. a show to a month later, you're doing yeah. stuff with principal actors from the script?
1: So, if memory serves me right, and I'm sure that there's archives on Facebook that exist wherever I can probably dig up. But from what I remember, we did the screening and then Brendan maybe listened to the pilot episode and it was funny. It had some cool, cool skit, uh, skips and and random commercial breaks. So the whole thing was supposed to be like a Conan O'Brien kind of style late night talk show where we would have an interview segment and then we would cut to fake commercial breaks that we would get to invent. So we <laughs> right. would have our own Saturday Night Live commercial parodies in the show, and so we sure. would do that. And so in the midst of us editing um, some of the commercial parodies, um. Brendan started signing up for IMDB pro, uh, back in 2009. And then all you needed was just an email address. And then you got access to everyone's agent, <laughs> unrestricted <laughs> boy. Did they learn the hard way with that one? Yeah, so I guess what ended so. up happening was he ended up finding out, um, Aykroyd's, um, PR agent people. And, uh, he, he let slip by email because we started talking like a radio show. So Brendan and yeah. I are both uh, television broadcasting graduates. We have backgrounds in communication, film, and television. And so we knew how to write emails when we're trying to schedule y- interviews for television shows okay. or for news programs. So <laughs> we, we came up with uh, email templates to uh, talk to Uh, you know, potential interview guests, but they didn't know what the hell a podcast was at all because this is in its infancy. So when we were talking interview, they're immediately like, Oh, radio, radio interview. These guys are in Canada, radio interview, like CBC radio one or something like that.
0: Sure. yeah. 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 We
1: immediately start talking with Dan, Dan's people, and they are all up near around Kingston, Ontario, uh, maybe just outside of Toronto. And they're like, oh, well, he's going to be in Barrie, Ontario for a uh, liquor signing for his uh, wine and just before Chris Lied Vodka. So right. we're like, okay, that's five hours away. And we just did one episode of Cross Streams Radio. And I said, wouldn't it be funny if we just drove up and like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas interviewed him? And so we <laughs> did the math and it was like, okay, when is he doing the signing? Okay, 11 a.m in Barrie, Ontario. So it's 5 hours away. Well, we're not going to sleep. So let's just stay up all night and then we'll drive at like three in the morning <laughs> and we'll get to we'll get to Barrie, Ontario. And uh and we'll just bombard them with questions and meet them. So I I've had the fortunate of meeting Dan beforehand uh a long time ago uh when I was in my teens and uh, I met uh uh Donna Dixon and I met uh Dan when they were antique shopping just outside Kingston, so I I kind of knew I had an in kind of like that. But Brendan was like brand new, and he was just going to bombard him. So the running right, joke right. was that we were um, buying cases and cases of this uh, Ghostbusters uh, energy drink that they were selling at like Hot Topics and stuff like that. And um, and we just bought a, a case of two for each, and we would just drink them all day long. Now there's you know how there's like laws with Red Bull and how much chemicals they can put in with Taurine well this yeah, one had yeah, no yeah. this one had yeah. no laws. So so we, I don't know what I consumed <laughs> then but it was probably not good.
0: So yeah to be clear the Canadian laws <laughs> yes, on right. cereal right. are very strict but the Canadian laws on oh, energy yeah. drinks on the other hand this Here's era the are very relaxed this
1: wild west. So um we started um you know spitballing uh ideas for jokes and and on the way up and, um, Brendan's like, Oh, we need to pull over. We need to, uh, collect, uh, a jars of bees, uh, before we meet them. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, we're going to reenact the scene from my girl so that we can, you know, release the bees at him. <laughs> and then that way, and then that way we can be like, Hey dad, you remember the bees? Do you remember the bees, Dan? so, <laughs> that was our writing. That was kind of like a writing phase. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of like how we would like come up with, with jokes. You got to remember, like I, I have like, I'm not necessarily like a, a stand up comedian writer. I'm more of a, I'm more of a wit when it comes to like sketch comedy. Whereas, whereas sure. Brendan was 100% performance, Andy Kaufman style. So we had those two. So like, He would just go in gun blazing and people would really think he was like, is this guy, is this guy (laughs) mentally off the spectrum or is he like pulling our leg? And I was the guy who had to clean up and say, yes, he's pulling your leg. But then Brendan's like, no, 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 don't listen to him. I'm not pulling your leg. I'm dead serious. And then it would just go back and forth like that. So, uh, so we, needless to say, we did make it to Barry without the bees and, uh, and a couple of cases of (laughs) Ghostbusters energy drink emptied. And, um, I had about 20 items of Ghostbuster, uh, memorabilia with me. Um, we knew what to ask him because he was on kind of a Ghostbusters, uh, promotional train because the month we met him, it was the 25th anniversary of Ghostbusters. The Blu-ray just came out. So we had already a hot topic to, to share with him.
0: Is this pre-video game or just before?
1: before? Just just before. So they timed the Blu-ray and the video game. I think a week or two apart from each other. So the video game was about to come out. So we knew we could ask him about that. And then we started talking about other more local stuff. So because we were from Ottawa, he immediately connected because that's where he grew up. And so we were we he we knew exactly where he he was around. He used to hang around the Quebec side and downtown. Uh, off of uh, Río street there was apparently a blues bar uh that he used to um <laughs> he used to skip school and go hang out at um Lahibu cafe was an infamous bar in ottawa that um i think bob dylan played once and Joni mitchell played there a long time ago like almost like a canadian greenwich village style place and um D'Arcy has many stories of meeting amazing musicians at that venue when he was in his teens. He has very very nice. fond memories and this is, explains a huge connection with the Blues Brothers and his his sure, musical yeah, yeah. background growing up. Um he just had this huge connection with American musicians um especially in the Detroit Motown era and and um he has a crazy story about how he met Muddy Waters. And he was in Ottawa playing a really <laughs> crazy gig, and um, Money Waters had no drummer apparently at once one point of his set, and Dan Acker jumped in and played drums. So <laughs> it was like stuff like that that we knew we could connect him on, and he was like, "Yes, these guys yeah. are on the level. These guys are fun. Let's keep it going." So we literally had pocket audio recorders um, from you know a Radio Shack with us. And then we had to digitize those and reconvert them and clean them up using uh, uh, logic. And then we were like, okay, here we go. So we released the episode as a download. Uh, I think at first it was a download directly on Ghostbusters uh, or GB fans message board. And then we had to upload (laughs) it to like GB night squad and random fan pages. But yeah, you can literally just, there was no streaming services, didn't exist. You just went on a web page and you hit right click and hope to God it wasn't a virus.
0: Save, save as. as and hope for yeah. the best.
1: Like, and uh, yeah, you would just listen to it on your uh, media player on your computer or you're, you would just share it on discs or whatever. Um, Brendan infamously made a remix of uh, Paper Planes, that song Paper Planes, uh, <laughs> except with, all Dan Aykroyd sound bites. <laughs> I have never heard yeah, this number I don't know if you can. That. I'll see if I can dig it up, but it's <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Anyway, he ripped, Brendan ripped a copy on CD and gave it to Dan <laughs> and he immediately passed it to his handler. <laughs> so I don't think he ever listened to it. Um, but that was, that was the first month of Series Radio. We got Dan Aykroyd and he, he talked with us for a good half hour about, Pretty much like growing up in Ottawa, uh, his music influences, the video game, how excited he was, the Blu-ray release. And then, of course, he's like, now he's fired up. Now he's like, the new movie, the new movie is being written. And in 2009, he was still, they were still working with the uh, year one writers with Harold Ramis at the time. So that was that era of gb3 news the perpetual gb3 right. is this ever going to get made <laughs> so there was that and then from there we got back to ottawa and we were on a high because we were like this is incredible like we just did dacroid interview like and we were we, yeah we were I, I would be
0: i would yeah, be over we were, freaking and we were, like i said pirate radio man
1: like we were like hunter s thompson going through the desert just winging it and um <laughs> Then all of a sudden Ernie Hudson's agent messages us back when we got back to Ottawa. And it was like, is this really (laughs) happening? (laughs) Like it was, it was crazy. (laughs) And then sure enough, um, he gave all of the contact info, and then we coordinated the, the phone-in interview. So how it worked was we explained, to, we explained to Ernie's people that this would be like an internet radio show. And that became the joke. We called ourselves Cross the Streams Radio because no one knew what a podcast was. Right. So it made more sense to say that this was a radio show, an internet radio show. <laughs> and a huge shout out to another Canadian is Tom Green. So Tom Green is also from Ottawa, and he's one of the pioneers of podcasting. He invented his own streaming platform. He invented his own YouTube channel before those all existed. And he was hosting a live Johnny Carson style TV show uh, with multi cameras, and he was streaming it to the internet on his own out of his home in LA at the time.
0: So it was kind of weird. This is like after he had right. the Tom Green show. And like another six
1: like, degree of separation yeah. is that Tom Green graduated from the same television broadcasting program I did. Just 10 years, 15 gotcha. years apart from each other. So it's a really crazy um, kind of full circle thing where I don't know what the hell it is with Canadians and their obsession with just like wanting to make <laughs> fun of stuff. <laughs> And also not being afraid of having themselves made fun of, but it's a, it's a hilarious ammo that gets used a lot. And I'm confident that's like, that's where Ivan Reitman built his comedy writing style with all the second city people. That's kind of where like, you know, Dak, right. John Candy, Joe Flaherty, um, you know, Catherine O'Hara, especially Eugene. Eugene You can see it. Like they all grew up in the, Ontario, Rick Moranis, Jesus Christ, like all of them. You can see like that because of growing up in this area and knowing that you're like, you're the second tier, you have to do something, you have to do something (laughs) crazy (laughs) and extreme in order to get the answers. So it's pretty cool. So
0: yeah. So it's just, it's just wild to me that it's like, how many times did you end up talking to Ernie Hudson? uh,
1: Ernie Hudson, at least I have absolute amazing fond memories of Ring hudson because we interviewed him i think the most um at least four or five times but i was able to personally connect with him the most on and off recording while he was in canada while he was in toronto while he was in ottawa and all these places and it got to a point where the last time i got to hang out with him he's like matt you're getting married. Do you want an officiate? I'm free. And I was like, <laughs> "Is this really happening?" It was crazy, and he was great. And uh, yeah, we had we. I invited him to go to karaoke downtown, and and he accepted. But then he's like, oh "Man, I'm I'm wiped from the convention. Let's just hang out tomorrow." So we got to um, do a full cross the streams radio episode where we're just we hung out with him in the green room at uh, Auto Comic Con for uh, at least two hours. And then we edited it down to a, 40, a nice tight 45 minutes. But he was like yeah. Ernie Hudson. And I say this all the time. Um, I'll say it. I, I mean, I can't say it on Twitter anymore. I don't know if you know, but I've I've been permanently banned from Twitter. I, I have. How and that's you? a funny story. Um, I'll <laughs> say that later. Uh, but um, I was always um, vocal about saying this, and this is absolute truth. Ernie Hudson is the coolest motherfucker on the planet. He is the coolest guy ever <laughs> for his age. This guy is he's jacked, he's super fit, extremely humble, and he is not afraid to give the shirt off his back to help out another fellow actor, producer, writer, anyone. Like yeah. he is so uh professional with the craft, he understands all the roles on and off screen that he totally gets the drive that people have with a creative medium and a creative outlet. And if you yeah. can operate on that level and give him a voice and stories to listen to and vice versa, he will absolutely give you the attention you need. And he's the coolest, most down-to-earth person in terms of the all the celebrities that I've run into. And there's been so many that are, are like absolutely bonkers that i i can't believe like i actually survived that encounter <laughs> to um people who are like really shy and they really don't want to be on camera and they're just kind of they're doing it for a role ernie is the absolute friendliest coolest guy ever and it gives me such great pleasure to know that he is deeply now involved in the fandom again as the new like passing yeah. of the torch CEO uh slash mentor of the new Ghostbusters. It's amazing. He is the greatest.
0: I think it's great that he's he has a a larger role in what's happening now, and um I think he's been really instrumental mm-hmm. in how things are moving forward. So I think it's amazing you talked to him as many times. As it's you great. I, it's it like, just, absolutely great. I can't where if people want to find your episodes, your old episodes on my personal
1: external hard drive <laughs> as an archive. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> Some people have excerpts of it and, uh, which is really great to hear. And I know that, um, Chris, uh, uh, Stewart and, uh, Troy may have some archived ones. I think the only one that, that I know that has been fully archived and I'm extremely proud of it is when we had, uh, the Deutschendorf twins on Cross the Streams radio sharing um there are second stories cuz they were obviously really young of um how they got involved into ghostbusters 2 thanks to their parents and um how they yeah. dealt with growing up within the fandom and um starting a martial arts school together and and so forth so it, um that is also been archived that has also been archived on um on uh, I think uh, crossrip that was a crossroad episode where we uh, paid uh, tribute to uh, obviously Hank.
0: Uh, so I know we have a limited time left to talk, and I was just wondering if you have any Ghostbusters Day predictions you want to throw out? Or anything to think about that's okay. going to happen next week?
1: Ghostbusters Day is exciting because I get to, I get to showcase some fun, some fun stuff with the collection that I have, and and I get to reshare all the fun, cool, Acto posts, and of course all the. Memes and hilarity that always ensues. But yeah, Ghostbusters today is going to be probably pretty exciting because I'm hopefully looking forward to a, an amazing update from uh, Jason and Gil and the rest of the Afterlife sequel crew. Um, I don't know if we're going to get a teaser. I'll be shocked if we get a teaser. Uh, but uh, I can definitely see maybe some art, some poster art, or uh, maybe a live video where it's like, "Hi, we're on set, and here's some a quick, a quick tease or something like that, like a thirty second or yeah, fifteen yep. second little Instagram tease." Um, that'd be amazing. Uh, I, I think. I mean, like, you, you remember when they just quit, just randomly dropped the afterlife teaser of the Ecto One <laughs> in the barn, right?
0: Right. It's like, here's the back of the Ecto-1 and a bomb. Yeah, just yeah, in the middle of a bar. Yeah, there was January
1: just drop, like, <laughs> like unannounced.
0: So if we yep.
1: get a surprise like that, yeah. and that's one of the best things of them having to shoot this new movie in the UK, is that everything's closed. It's like what they did with Star Wars. It's like what they've done with so many other productions. I mean, they shot Indiana Jones in Scotland, and then they faked it to make it look like New York, and then they did everything else close set. Boom! Right. No leaks. No problem. And this is, I kind of like that because now it's like <laughs> you got no leaks of this new movie right now. Everything's under lock and key. I love right. that. You get everything, all surprises. Um,
0: And they get to control when it comes out in the way they want it to, hopefully, as opposed to people seeing it. So One, yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's probably one of the, the coolest things about Ghostbusters Day is that I think they've caught on. I think after FanFest came out uh and they had the, the the huge wizard world collection of everybody i think they realized okay there is there is an intensity now with this ip that we can reinvigorate and and of course now the you know the success of ghostbusters afterlife uh not just box office but i mean like streaming it was like the number one streaming movie of of month for months and and it's funny because when i run into like casual people who you know they like ghostbusters but they're not like Obviously, like the obsession that, that we both have, <laughs> like the unhealthy <laughs> right. obsession that we both have. Um, they're like, man, that new Ghostbusters movie was excellent. I watched it with my, you know, watching my grandkids and they absolutely loved it. And it's like cool hearing it from a general audience perspective. I'm like, oh, oh man, this movie really connected. This, this is going to be great. Yeah. So working off, springboarding off of that momentum and not having to have to deal with the, you know, I, I hate to say this, but it's like uh, Ghostbusters 2016 the, and the the reboot th- that took the blunt of like people waiting 20, 27, 28 years mm-hmm. of hype, 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 and then they it delivered. And it's a completely you know alternate universe, alternate mm-hmm. cast, and they took the blunt of the internet rage that was definitely unwarranted because when the when the dust settles. I'm telling you man I think Ghostbusters Answer the Call is going to is going to have a fan resurgence like Halloween 3 season which does Yeah
0: it will absolutely yeah. There's people out there who love there's it. there's, there's
1: yeah. a fandom community that absolutely love that mm-hmm. movie and I think it's absolutely great that 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 movie has found its following and I like how Ghostbusters 2 has its amazing following as well too which yeah. is, which is great yeah. so I'm looking forward to for Ghostbusters Day some cool new little teasers, some, maybe some posters, some, uh, an Instagram reel that we're going to see on our timeline for three days nonstop. And then we're going to have to <laughs> <Right>. mute it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we'll get a full blown trailer. No, but, um, no. Um, a few little teases would be nice. Yeah. So. Um,
1: yeah, it'd be, it'd be great. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, um, eventually, um, fully releasing in a way that's, happy for everyone, including ghost Core and everything like that. But my um, VHS uh, ghostbusters afterlife fan edit project that I've been working yeah. on for a little under a year. Um, and um, it's just been, I've been so slammed with video productions and movie productions. Uh, I even did production assistant work and uh, uh, background acting work on a couple of movies. And now I'm done those and now I can get back to the fun fan projects, but I can say that the fan edit on VHS on a VHS master exists. It is done. And the key thing that I think is unique because I know that there was a a few fans that have done this already. They just did a simple, you know, HDMI video signal transfer to VHS and then they can have it for aesthetic purposes. I went the slight extra mile and I made the movie. A letterbox, uh, widescreen (laughs) format that 100% matches Ghostbusters 2 on VHS. So I envisioned what it would be like if Ghostbusters Afterlife came out in, let's say, 1993, a few years after, um, Ghostbusters 2. And so aesthetically, I have in this fan edit of Ghostbusters Afterlife, I have, um, stingers and uh rca uh video um promos that match ghostbusters 2 at the beginning of the film i have the quintessential um this uh movie has been edited to fit your screen kind of fbi warnings (laughs) and all that stuff
0: right and
1: um i went the extra mile and i reanimated the sony uh uh, fanfare logo at the beginning to turn into the original 1984-89 Columbia Pictures logo So That's when awesome. the movie starts you're keeping the aesthetics of the of the 80s and early 90s <laughs> and then at the very end um, you this may be uh, you or me have already seen this but on my Instagram I have a um, a teaser image where I was able to reanimate the original, Ghostbusters animation from 84 um, into Ghostbusters Afterlife. Because I knew that at the end of Ghostbusters Afterlife with the infamous bridge shot and then the Ghostbuster logo appears, they had to modernize the logo so that it matches the, sure. the correct marketing. And then the the title has to fit across the screen, anamorphic widescreen. <laughs> well, you can't do that on VHS because it's a four by right. three window. So, what I was fortunate enough was that, um, the company that did the original uh, title animation, R. Greenberg, um, uh, in conjunction with Pacific Title and all those people, um, I found their original scan of the, um, 35 millimeter Panavision logo. Um, and there's two sources you can get this. You can find it on Art of the Title, um, which is a website that's dedicated to the art of uh, movie titles and movie credits, like Superman the movie, which is, I think, one of the greatest movie title sequences of all time next to Star Wars. Um, but um, they have the original Ghostbusters animation um, that, ha- of course, happens in 84. Uh, but also, um, if you have the 35th anniversary Blu-ray, uh, you get the uh, Show West a reel of Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray selling the movie to movie theater people there is a extremely uh high res um hd slash 4k version of the logo so i had to painstakingly take those two sources combine them and then merge them into frame by frame of the of ghostbusters afterlife and uh dirtify it to make it look like it was from VHS tape. <laughs> right. So it looks like it's pretty seamless. It's only a 10 second clip, but it took me a little bit of some change to, to, to it. uh, that's one of the benefits of being a videographer and video editor. You can kind of do weird, weird, fun stuff like that. Um, but in no way did I, uh, re-edit the movie. Like there's no Jar Jar Binks or there's no, uh, right, right, right. You know, there's <laughs> no flying ecto. Um, um, no one screams like, no, when like, you know, when people die or something like that. So <laughs> there's no like, you know, little additions. There's no lightsaber fight at the end of, uh, you know, the Gozer battle or anything like that. So
0: you didn't, uh, go back and create your own little scenes of people suiting up. That's or, right. Um, add, add Rick Moranis. Yeah, into I, the didn't, movie I didn't, I or- didn't CGI Rick Moranis at
1: the, <laughs> at the end of the car. Um, so, yeah, I, I kept the entirety the, the of the original film. I wanted to keep the original fanfare of the 84, 89 VHS releases. And then I added an Easter egg at the very end of the video, which I'm not going to reveal. Because eventually, I need to figure <laughs> out, and if anyone's listening, I need to figure out what's the best way I can do this without stepping on anyone's toes. Because I think it's a fun project, but I also want to make sure that you listen, everyone. You go out and you buy and download, a purchase a copy of Ghostbusters Afterlife 2021. Right. <laughs> you can buy that on iTunes. You can watch it on all your fun streaming platforms. And you can go to your local Best Buy and buy it on Blu-ray. While well, you still can, while there's physical media. <laughs> so that's important. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, uh, I'm happy to share uh, more updates and more little teaser clips of that uh of that project, and um, eventually we'll have some um, VHS box art that uh, we can tease, um, and and people can can download, and we can basically learn how to make our own little fun VHS copies of our movies, so they can aesthetically match on the on our VHS bookshelves with Ghostbusters one and two, right. yeah, and you know, um, it's not like I have. 12 copies of Ghostbusters on VHS because, you know, that's what normal people do <laughs> <laughs> and, and have it on, you know, laser disc and have it on DVDs. And
0: you need a beta copy yep. and yeah. You need a beta copy. You so, need a, a CD disc. <laughs> yeah. all those You got to find the bootlegged on a, on a video disc, on a VCD, yeah. a weird computer fair somewhere in the 1990s. Yep. All yeah, of those. those are all things that exist. All of those. <laughs> so I, I again, uh,
1: Jim, thank you so much for, for having me here uh, to talk um, some of the early days across streams. And, and of course my obsession with all that is Ghostbusters and uh, ALF of course, which is going to be a recurring yeah, no, thing. <laughs> I'm, I,
0: thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on the yeah. show and thank you for taking time to do it. Um, I know that for you, it was a, a late night event because we are on a three hour yeah. time difference and I distinctly appreciate um the amount of time you gave us and. Uh, putting yourself out and depriving yourself of sleep to make podcasts in the middle of the night in a way that you may not have in a while. (laughs) Yeah. It's bringing, it's bringing um,
1: back some, uh, some acid flashbacks for sure.
0: (laughs) So yeah, I'm just, um, people want to, if you want to find out more about your Ghostbusters VHS project and what you're doing, they can find you on Instagram at the Matt prov. That's correct. Right? At the
1: at yeah. on Instagram. Um, um, also, if you're, if any of you are listening to the, or uh, friends of the yes, have some uh, podcast, um I make random comedic appearances here and there at one of the, one of the random groups that they have. <laughs> um, I am no longer on Twitter because uh, the funny story about that is on April 1st on April Fool's Day, I changed my profile picture to uh, Elon Musk's profile picture. And I wrote, um, hi, my name is Elon. I'm a stupid face and I have a big butt and my butt smells and I like to kiss my own butt. And within 35 minutes, my account was permanently banned. (laughs) So I was on Twitter for close to 10 years and uh, I was banned within 35 minutes. Uh, but there's good job, thank you. but th-
0: I'm proud of, just you. So you know,
1: there's, there's <laughs> a lot more angrier, questionable people on that platform, but I could not make a funny <laughs> Simpsons reference joke to Elon Musk. So please, wow. everyone just use, use the platform that makes the most sense for you on social media.
0: This is why you can now find me on Mastodon. Oh, no, I'm kidding, but uh. I don't know. I'm on a waiting
1: <laughs> list for blue sky, but I don't even know if
0: I'm going to do that. I'm happy. I'm afraid of. I become increasingly afraid of social media as the days go. Exactly.
1: I'm happy with Instagram. You'll never find me on TikTok. You'll never find me anywhere else. (laughs) Um, I am more than happy to talk and share of uh, my love of the real Ghostbusters action figure toy line. Anything from Kenner from the um, mid to late '80s and early '90s. That toy line and company was unmatched. I, I love seeing I love <laughs> seeing uh, real Ghostbusters uh, artwork and seeing all the fun stuff that people are doing with their collections now. And that is what social media should be all about. It should be sharing and and loving the positivity and creativeness of people's collections. And that's that's where the joy comes from. And talking about ALF. Well, don't, don't forget that. Talking about ALF.
0: Yes. And, and there's Alf, dozens and of fans. Without, dozens. And in an, in an in an internet age that loves cats talking about ALF can be difficult that's true but we know it's not difficult is this conversation with you <laughs> and I appreciate that we had it so thank you i appreciate that you came on the show and it was finally good to talk with you one yes. on one. um and hope we get to do it again because it was good Anytime.
1: So, and you know that that media train for ghostbusters afterlife 2 is just around the corner
0: so that's right so get ready hey i'm just going to say if nobody else noticed it the uh the the Spotify description of the episode in which Dan Aykroyd was interviewed, um, actually says he's working on the Ghostbusters Afterlife 2, which I am I've said previously really? I was calling this movie as its title, and now I'm saying, Look, someone on Spotify with a podcast who had Dan Aykroyd on confirms that the title is Ghostbusters Afterlife 2. <sighs> so yeah, um, g- maybe that's what we'll find out on Ghostbusters Day, what it's really called. Uh, that would be You nice. know what? So
1: A title reveal would be pretty awesome. You hear that, Jason? You hear that? Please, please give us something. God,
0: God, give something to (laughs) us. (laughs) We're crying here. But yes. Next time we talk, we can talk about what this movie is really called, hopefully. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. um, Anytime. We'll We'll talk to you again soon. You got it, dude. Cheers. Take care. That about wraps things up for Extraplasm this week. Thanks for listening. And... I hope you have an amazing Ghostbusters Day. I hope the next time we talk, we'll be finding out about Ghostbusters, whatever it's called, as opposed to Ghostbusters Firehouse, (laughs) or maybe we'll find out that it was a trick all along and the movie actually is just called Ghostbusters Firehouse, or hell, maybe we'll find out it's called Ghostbusters Hell's Kitchen, but probably not. In the meantime, um, I appreciate you tuning in. I hope you'll tune in again next Tuesday. If you want to support the show, you can, of course, leave a positive review on iTunes which is not what it's called anymore, Apple Podcasts, which is what it is called, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, wherever it is that you get the podcast, those reviews really do help to connect people with the show and to let them know that this is a podcast worth checking out. So if you can do that, it helps out. If you have anything you want to share with the podcast, you can, of course, reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram, Extraplasm on Twitter, or ExtraplasmPodcast at gmail.com. And I want to thank Brendan Pierce of Baducci Studios, who provides our logo, to Magnavox, the Vaporwave artist, who provides the theme song for Extra Plasm. And lastly, have an amazing Ghostbusters Day. And as you do, keep in mind what Ernie Hudson says.
1: Try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care.